The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. And Paul, he's Ronnie. And today we'll be talking about going into somebody else's home and making it our own. Patek were well and truly beaten on Saturday. And that's the first quarter of the season done. We're flying. Join the conversation on our socials. We're at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode. A pumping for Partick. Paul's good, bad and ugly. Arbroath preview. The Loan Report, the Academy, the women's team are A to Z of Dundee United on this day with the Arab Archive. And finally, I'll be joined by the most talented McNichol of them all. It's Paul's sister Fiona as our special guest. It's all coming up on episode 213 of the Dode Fox podcast. We'd just like to take a moment after the tragic news this week that Hamish McAlpine's son Kevin had passed away. Hamish has always been a fantastic supporter of the podcast, brilliant guest and a wonderful human being. We send our love, thoughts and prayers to Hamish and the entire McAlpine family at this time. So welcome back to the award-winning Dude Fox podcast with the Kevin Holt doubting Paul McNichol (laughs) and a fully paid up member of the Kevin Holt fan club, Ronnie Costello. Never and <laughs> doubt. A, is that a bandwagon you're jumping on? <laughs> you, you always been in this fun. I've club? always been on it. I don't care what you're getting at. Uh, I just said as long <laughs> as it wasn't the, the Dundee version of Kevin Holy turned up. Correct. Anyway, before we get to that, the SPFL Trust Trophy draw was done this week, Paul. It's mm-hmm. awfully exciting. Mm-hmm. But given what we said last week, if the manager's now turning it serious, we're in the quarterfinals, we may as well win the bloody thing. We may as well. We may as well. So, Falkirk away. Mm-hmm. In the quarters, which is uh, next month, I think it's the eighteenth. Now, we birdie tell me there's a good possibility it could be moved for the telly. That'd be a disaster. So, to the same day as the Scotland Norway game, you never know. Mm. I don't know. Okay, but a wee bird says it, there's a possibility that it would be moved. Which again, we look at the games. I would think so. So that would be there. Then, if we got through to that, because it is a way. Mm-hmm. It'd be TNS or Arbroath at home in the semi. The final uh, is then... Uh, the semi-final, sorry, is in February, if we were to get through. Obviously, with that news, there was devastation for a pal of ours. Yes. Got who it. was desperate yeah. for that to be an away tie with TNS winning it and us winning it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. <clears throat> and I don't think it's just uh, it's just our buddy Martin that was, that was choking for the game against TNS away I think and you're right quite a few. choking uh, absolutely choking yeah uh, but no I'm Falkirk away I mean I'm not going to go over my thoughts on this whole tournament but Falkirk away 70 minutes in the car will probably be there and if we get past Cole Donaldson and his mates which let's be honest if we done it <laughs> we've already done it once well, exactly even though they helped with yeah. I think uh, I was saying I mean we said it last week obviously with the the win and a real professional performance last week as well. You know, you you, you don't win games 5-9 every week. I mean, you had a famous line last season when you said that. You couldn't see a hand then. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've seen yesterday's scoreline as well, but I certainly thought we were going to win the game. But even if they go to Falkirk, and again they win a 2-0 game, I think it's about putting down not just a marker of consistency, but it's winning games in the right manner. You know, it's not a lucky win. Yes, you're no, you might batter a team Hey, the bar this time, blah, blah, blah. The important thing is winning the game. Of course it is, yeah. You can win one, you can go off <laughs> a boy's arse for I care, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of nearly did for Kevin Hall's second just round. <laughs> well, I went in half it. But 
the more the manager has basically said, we're in the competition, you know, he's not going to make 11 changes. He might make four or five. And I don't think, so far, it's weakened us. No, no, it, it really hasn't. Uh, and, like, the flip side to all that is, the longer that this unbeaten run keeps going, the more that the players will want to keep it going, I would assume. So, yeah, there's no doubt that they'll, they'll be going to Falkirk looking to to get the job done on the day. Like, no doubt in my mind whatsoever, the team will be as as strong as it can be, maybe with one or two, because it's a, the plastic pitch, if there's any niggles or that, you would expect them to miss out. Uh, but, yeah, like, the manager said it all along, like, you'll be taking it serious. And if we do, and we've got Abdi fully fit, I fully expect to win that tie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the cup. I've <laughs> had these fit and, and we'll go with a strong team all the way. I mean, I mean, um, been an interesting point yesterday. And I can absolutely see it. I know some of the purists and, and the more older fans may not see it like this. But he'd said, you know, going on to win <clears throat> the cup for, some, for his son, mm-hmm. who's 10. Mm hmm. Would be amazing. It is, yeah. Because he's never seen that. But you think, what's his most recent memory? Two relegation, really. Yeah. Didn't maybe didn't remember the first day, but he certainly remembered last season. Yeah, it was. I mean, if you wind back a few years, like it's very similar to to my young lad Leo. He was he was eight, nine, or ten. I can't mind his age when we won it, uh, but he loved it because it was his team in a cup final winning it. Now, to me and to you, like you're like. I love been a hand in we've, we've won leagues we've mm-hmm. won cups like big cups it's it's kind of it's it's small fish in comparison but when you get there for for the young lads it's class and hopefully they get to see two or even more if we're, if we're fortunate in the Scottish Cup this year I suppose but hopefully we can get two trophies this, mm-hmm. this year so on the Scottish Cup that's the following <clears> week um, in November all the so-called big teams don't enter, of course, until January. So going into that, there's twin, uh, There's a load of games next weekend. Mm-hmm. Then on the... So I'm trying to do quick maths. On the 25th of November, the third round, the League One clubs join, the Championship clubs join um, for that. So that, that draw probably next week, given the fixtures are next Saturday, maybe the week after is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So that'll be an interesting one as well. So that'll be back-to-back cup um, games you obviously want a home game always always yeah always yeah. but again Huntley away people like Bunts. trips like that <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see but that is two back to back weeks in November that will be mm-hmm. cup games so again <clears throat> depending on who you get in that draw maybe two weeks uh, getting boys a rest that maybe need it bringing yeah. in players that Need a bit more minutes that'll no yeah. overly weaken your team if you know what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, as a fan, if you're going to give boys a rest in any of the games, you, you make sure it's the Falkirk game in the in the Trust Trophy because the Scottish Cup's a big deal, and you want to give yourselves the best possible chance. I think uh, over the years, I've no, I've not gotten any arguments with boys, but boys, some guys and, and mates of mine and yours, they'll say, "Look, United to have a successful season, they hate to do this in the league, and they hate to have a good cup run." And I'm all, I am always kind of take a step back with the cup run query thing because like you could get Celtic away like in, in the fourth round and chances are you're not going to win that game and you're out before, it, before it's even begun, I suppose. So cup run, a lot of the time, uh, comes down to luck. 
Mm. Look at Inverness last year. Like, yeah. how lucky do you want to get? Like, they got favourable draws and they also got pumped in one of the rounds. And they got lucky that that team then. Was that the player? Uh, yeah. Uh, they, uh, I think it was Airy, Queen's Park, was it? Oh, right. Whoever it was. They played, they had an, an ineligible player. There we go. It's easy to say this early on a Sunday morning. An ineligible player. <laughs> and, uh, but they ended up in the final. Yeah. So it can happen. It mm. can happen. But uh, favourable draws. I'm, I'm not one of these guys like United are, we think they're a big team. So we're not sitting here saying, oh, I hope we'll get the, the hardest team away from him and Matt loads of money. Nah, no interested in that. Give me the worst team in the draw at Tanadice. That's what I'm looking for every single round until we get to the semis. Final. I'm not even in the semis. Day in the final. Exactly. I'd say, mind you, it's better going <coughs> out in the final and get better. It's better going out in the semi than getting better in the final. That's horrendous. Uh, That's horrendous. Well, maybe, but then you get a month of looking forward to something, you get the build up, you're quite joyous, and then it's like the, the, the worst come down ever, I suppose. Oh, it's horrendous. Mm. For a few of them. Anyway, given the week we've had <laughs> and the, the couple of days, and as you'll hear later on, uh, we're speaking to your sister and it was meant to happen on Thursday and uh, the storm, storm put paid to that Yeah. so as that went on the couple of days I think a lot of people were thinking will the game be on mm -hmm. and going by our own very own Stato our pal Andrew he tells me <clears throat> we were the only club in a weather warning area that actually had to travel to yeah. play a game yeah I wasn't I was quite cynical about the whole thing because I was thinking this game will definitely be on for, mm. for a couple of reasons. One of them being apparently Glasgow was fine. They, they, they saw Nin or Storm Babe T. They just got on with it. Storm what? Storm Babe T. I'm not calling it Babette or Babette. That's that's just a stupid name. Uh, but we but we got hammered to you here. Like and now battered. Like looking looking around like in Castello land here, like you done all right. I've done all right. I've got a leaky windy. That's it. That's no euphemism. That, that's that's it. Some people are going to be in the shit for months. It's it's heartbreaking for mm. a lot of people. But I was thinking this game, it'll definitely be on if the pitch is playable. They're not caring about 1,500 United fans that they've already got their money because if the match is an all-ticket game these days, they're not caring if boys can't get out and travel west to go to a daft game of football. So I was in no doubt that it was going to be on at all. It's no mental doubt. that though, isn't it? Yeah. Like generally. Of course. Given what it was like. Well, as I say, me and you are very lucky. Like looking around, but just not even a mile figure. It's it's just it's mayhem, eh? Yeah. It's it's chaos and you can't help but feel for people. But that was never going to get taken into no. account, I didn't think, for the authorities. No Any chance. No, which is really interesting. Um I mean, certainly the picture everyone looked that was great for immaculate for what it be because mind when we were at Fergal <clears> before and that was an absolute it was, field, uh, it was horrible that was when yeah. Hart scored wasn't it ah there was no grass lad um, so obviously it comes to that as actually travelling to the game mm -hmm. hmm. are, are you telling me for Dundee mm -hmm. to, nothing like it was because people were saying it's quite clear but I think in our far in our journey <laughs> yeah. it was clear well here we go uh, so I'd been tell for a couple of people like, oh, the Friar and Bridge is a nightmare. I was like, I'm not even going to go near the Friar and oh, Bridge. Then. Here we go. I'm going through my favourite place, a place where I've never been lost, Rondo. Oh, I'm going no. through Fife. I'm going to go through Fife. Going to go via Ken Ross. Going to get in the Glesky that Standard. way. And then I'll be fine. Three-hour journey. How? Because I kept coming up the roads that were flooded. 
Well, unbelievable. I mean, that's unbelievable. I think we all knew that. I didn't think Fife had flooded roads. I didn't. Fife floods with a bit of rain. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Never mind like the arse end of a storm that they so, didn't get. So hold on. Your logic without the floods mm. was to go Dundee yeah. through Fife, yeah. come off at Ken the Kinross. To head to Kinross through, through after Muckdenahan. Uh, wow. Yeah. And you thought that was a shortcut to avoid Fryham Bridge? I didn't think it was a shortcut. No, I just thought I was avoiding roadworks. <laughs> I wasn't avoiding big dubs. <laughs> wow. Wow. Got here. I got there at 14.58 or Rondo. Never missed a kick. Made kick up. And when did you leave? <sighs> just before 12. <laughs> <laughs> Shambolic. Honestly, there was a lot of curse words said in the car. There was a lot of stress. Anxiety was through the roof. And And you're about to tell me the old man wasn't even there giving you directions. The old man played a part. Oh, the old man played a part. So he's 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 getting mildly buried here. <laughs> uh, we spoke on the phone on Friday and I told him my my thoughts on the journey and he was like, oh, definitely, definitely go through five. Yeah, shorter route, shorter route. Might, might, might take a wee bit longer, shorter route. So I was like, that's that's all I need. Like, if in doubt, you always ask your old man, do you? Old man confirm something, it's gospel. You've had experience of that disaster, absolute disaster. So, what, what, what could you know? Get like, how far did you get? In so, you fight? go, you go across the Tay Bridge and you go, which up, is already doing a 30. Oh, it's a nightmare, single, uh, single then, lane. So, that's your first problem. And then you've got the first roundabout, and then you get to the second. Then, is that the foregun circle? Yeah, foregun circle, gubbed. <laughs> <laughs> so, at that point, you're probably thinking, How did you know just turn around? That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, so, what did you then do? So, I had to turn around a bit. But the diversion led you into Newport. And I thought, I, I'm no conceding defeat here yet. I'm going to go via Wormit, via Goldrace, or done all that. Boom, road closed. So I was like, right, hey, I come another way. So I kind of go further towards towards Falkland area, I think. Uh, road road closed again. But this time, roads are closed. We near road closed signs. It's, you're basically looking at a river flowing and thinking, okay. And it's I a good enough sign. I drove, into the, I drove into a couple of them and I thought, nah, nah. So when I'm sitting and in and opened the door, I was like, oh, that's, that's about in the car there. We'll just shut that. We'll reverse back. So there was there was about four occasions then that it was just an absolute nightmare. As I say, a lot of swear words. Somebody swearing at me, me swearing at me. I think I punched the steering wheel a couple of times. I think I headed it once. I wasn't very happy. And obviously, you come him the normal <laughs> route, but you're about to tell me you probably come him via Kinross, did you? I came him via Kinross, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a shorter route around there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. But, but I avoided Fife. <laughs> Here, I got, I got him at uh, 20 to 7, and I was quite late getting to the car. It only took me an hour and 20 minutes to get him via Kinross. <laughs> So did, you were, did I observe the speed limit? Mm, not on every stretch. So no. you were four hours, 20 minutes of travel time yesterday. Yeah, I would have travelled 14 hours, 20 minutes <laughs> for that. Okay. <laughs> it was all worth it. Oh, there you go, ladies and gents. You know who not to ask for your directions going <laughs> into it. So we mentioned last week it was obviously going to be a big game, regardless of games that were on or off yesterday. Many saying that despite league positions, Partick could be the biggest test. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip for the terrace. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> the boy was speaking about Brian, Brian Graham. Graham. Yeah. And yeah. we would come unstuck 
at Partick and he's the second best striker in the league. <clears throat> who's, um, who's the best? Louis Moult. Okay. But I, yeah. You know, so I, I, t- I took that mm. and pissed myself laughing at mm. the thought of that. Uh, we made four changes. Uh, Louis Moult was back in. Um, probably not unexpected, the changes that were made. No. And the surprise being, Declan Gallagher back in as well. Yeah, that was that was a bonus. Uh, Declan Glass missing was a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. But then the manager had said through the week there was a few boys, Nursing yep. Knox and whatever. Uh, so so Declan missing it was a bit of a blow for him. He's been on a good run. He has been on a good run, yeah. And he's been he's been uh, quite consistent on that run as well. So it was a, I suppose it was a bit of a blow, but like we've got guys that can just come in and, and fill in when he's not there. So uh, yeah, the changes were probably not not all that surprising. Mm-hmm. And you obviously couldn't soak up any pre-match atmosphere given mm, uh, whatsoever. You there. Swearing at myself. So I mean, when they done the numbers of one thousand three hundred ninety-eight, is that because you weren't in the ground yet? Because it probably was fourteen hundred. <laughs> no, no, no I, th- I made it. I made it for kickoff. There was boys behind me in the queue again. So, but fourteen hundred again, and like we've just mentioned, the conditions. Brilliant. I mean, brilliant. I'd love to. I mean, we already did a poll that some weeks has been a complete nonsense. Stay a poll of what route people tend. I'll be really interested to see. Uh, I, I think I might stand alone. I in think the, you might. Uh, <laughs> I think you might. Just like when we get to N, I think somebody may stand alone. I think so. Way out there. I think so. But um, it was all about getting involved, getting getting the starting the game really well because we went behind in some games of late, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that be yesterday. No, I thought we started very well. Uh, there was a few occasions where they were finding wee pockets of space in between our midfield and defence with our wee rats, that boy Lawless, uh, what's the other boy the signed for Kelly Robinson and the Baldy boy, no Bannigan, the other Baldy boy, I can't mind his name, I don't know Kenny's name, McCurdy or McSomething. No, McCurdy's about place for He's Habs. got terrible hair, eh? Uh, well, McSomething, McEnroy maybe. But, anyway. But they were, find, they were finding pockets of space in between and they weren't a they were they were kind of looking a wee bit of threatening, but ultimately they weren't doing much. We we were kind of controlling things, uh, looking to get forward. I thought that Middleton and Kai were very keen to get forward. I was interested and interesting uh, to hear your thoughts on the formation because I was looking at it and like, I've said this to you at the time. Like I'm hopeless at actually looking at it, unless it's clear. I'm pretty hopeless well, at picking up. But I d- thought it was a four-two-two-two. Depend that picture. Where were you sitting? It probably impedes your view. Depends how high you are, <coughs> how far back. Whereas yeah, second row. So we were buying the tickets for uh, Dunfermline mm-hmm. for Bridey Friday, mm-hmm. is what I've been calling it. Why not? And um, I had said to Andrew, far back in the middle. Yeah, doesn't need to be in the middle, but as far back as you can. Uh, we would have been like mean binoculars, but missed the game. So you're all right with it in mm-hmm. the early division because I quite like that. I think it's because of what where the gantry is now. Where I am because I like being up there to see that. Yeah. For me, it was four four two. Yeah. Yeah. It was four four two. It was, but I think two Sybil and Doherty were lying a lot deeper than Middleton and Kai. Although they were knocking their pants and they were working back and forth. I would just, I would just say they're played as out and out wingers, so their yeah. jobs to they're no midfielders if you get what I mean. But yeah. no, I look at a four four two um, for that. So again, a bit of a surprise because initially when I seen the team, I was like, well, what's in at 10? And mm. then I was like, oh, a bit disappointed on glass. And then I noticed he wasn't actually on the bench. Yeah. And then there's conversation. And this is a happening pre-match. You're no king. You were still yeah, driving yeah. punching steering wheels. And I was saying, um, my mate Markers was, I think he was 10 points again as deep at this point because he's in Dublin. 
I hope your wife kens that. that I've just <laughs> said that, but it's she'll, not on a joke. She'll not listen to this. He, and he had said, oh, I kind of would have liked to see Mokra in there. And I was like, ah, no, because yeah. I quite like yeah. how Watt's been on the left, but mm-hmm. then you're thinking, well, Middle and Kai, mm-hmm. it's quite attacking. So, yeah. I bet it looked like a 4 4 2, but like you say, a great start. And do you think Middle and meant that, cro- that corner that fell right at Craig Sibbald? I mean, well, if he, if he did, it was brilliantly Class. worked <laughs> because Sibbald has kind of pulled back off Abadie. Uh So, if it is a, a training ground job, then I hats off. If it's no, Still, hats off because it worked. Yeah, uh, and it was a great start. It uh, really was a great, and start. and it was an early start, mm-hmm. which we've no done. No, no, for a few weeks certainly. Uh, but I thought it was deserved at the time. You know, I thought we were we were coming more in that than they were. Uh, certainly, uh, I think. Well, just before the corner, I think it's Middleton. Tony Watt plays him through. Middleton has the shot. The keeper tips over, and that's oh, that uh, is before. Sorry, I thought that was after that. No, and we get the corner further, and, and what robs a boy. Yes, yeah. What does it well? Thought Tony Watt was really good yesterday. Do you think the difference in and I'm we're picking at things here, right? Do you think the difference in Tony Watt? Obviously, we spoke about him. He's 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 clearly had a go at somebody, right? When he was at St. Martin and and all this, and he's come back and he's had a wee bit of regaining the fans. And some fans, listen, you'll never convert. Some fans are just no fan of certain players. That's fine, right? We're at, we've had done that. Obviously, he's been given the vice-captaincy, which could be a throwaway thing, I think you mentioned last week. But again, he's had the armband on, Mm -hmm. so he's clearly got a role to play in that leadership, sort of more experienced group. And I think every club's got them now, right? And there's always the the few that are in there. But one thing I've noticed of late, and this is not just a saying, he's pulled his socks up. Literally. Yeah, yeah. That happened a good few weeks ago now. Uh now, I don't care if there's absolutely anything in that, but it's a different look for the Tony Watt we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not been all season that he's he's been running about with his socks up at his knees, the way all football players should wear their socks, unless your name's Paul Sturrock. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was a bit sceptical at the start of the season. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever doubted his, his quality uh, as, as a footballer, but I just... He wasn't affecting games the way that you would want somebody to. Like when we signed him, he was the top scorer. Mm-hmm. If you, no matter what team you support, if you're you're playing or you're a fan of a team and they sign the top scorer in that league, you're kind of expecting goals. We got him, and at one point he'd played forty games for us, and I think he'd scored four or five goals, and that's that's a poor return for any striker. Never mind somebody that you signed as the top scorer. Obviously, you touched on it. There was whatever happened last season. Mm. Uh, We'll never know, probably, but something happened. Like if they were to come out and say, "No, no, no, that's nonsense." Okay, something clearly happened last season because he he, and it might be that he wanted it. And either way, he went away and he came back, and that I was I was skeptical as to what we were getting back. <laughs> the cynical side of me was thinking, "Well, he's only going to be here because maybe you'll take him off their hands because mm-hmm. his wages are so high, allegedly." And then I can't wait to get spied. Uh, but you hear all the stories and the rumors, but. Yeah, you've, I've got to give him. I've got to give him his credit. He's been, he's been an excellent for him recently, and he seems like. I hope I'm no jinxing it, but it's almost like the penny's dropped. Mm. Like he's a football player, and I can he does his vlog, Rondo. <laughs> uh, I can he does that, and and it's it's no for Abdi again, and it's and it's one of these things. He's getting away with it just now, probably because we're winning and we're playing well, we're doing well, he's doing well. I dare say, like if it was last season and he was putting these things at 
it probably wouldn't get well received at all. Like, he'd probably get a lot of criticism. Yeah. And what are you doing that for? He should be focusing on scoring goals. But you, you can what football fans are like. But everything just now is coming together, albeit we're in the championship. But everything that he's doing seems to be working. He seems to be a positive influence in the dressing room from what we can make out. Uh, he seems well liked. Like you, when he's got a camera and Abdi's fish, like nobody's banjoed him yet, unless that's been edited out. Uh, so, so yeah, whatever it, whatever it is, hopefully the pennies drop to him, but it's working, and we're we're getting the benefits of that. After the goal, seems to sit back a little bit. Yeah, I would say probably maybe the last 10, 15 minutes of the first half, uh, you could either say we were sitting back, or if you're Chris Doolan, you could say, well, we were we were starting to get on top in the game. Uh, but yeah, we, we kind of, I don't want to say we took our foot off the gas, but you're right, Like the, the game stopped flowing as much towards their end as it was uh, towards our end. And But I, I, again, it's no, when I'm when I'm there in the moment, I'm thinking, come on, you're letting them back in that. I think this United team, and, and Goodwin in particular, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not saying that he maybe demands that of his team, that he sit back and keep it tight for a, a period of time. But we seem comfortable in doing that. Mm-hmm. It's no like we're getting hemmed in. Like if we're if if it, the team's got a wee bit more territory in our half than we do in theirs, I think that we're fairly comfortable in that. Like we're no purposely, we're not getting hemmed in, but we're we're cool with it. We're thinking that's fine. Like you just can knock the ball out there. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to breach this back line and that wall of a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening. So as much as they may have had a wee bit more possession and territory, they didn't really do much with it. No, and on the um, just after the half hour, we were. Close to a second, uh, Louis Moult sliding into the back post. But I think it was Kai, it was either Kai or Middleton that stuck the bar across, mm. and it was uh, Kai. Another another one that was would have been quite nice. <clears throat> and then it was just on half time was probably their best chance, Partick. Yeah, I got a great view of that, uh, and it was quite funny because when I, when I was driving home at a rate of knots, <laughs> uh, it was on the radio, and it was a Partick Thistle fan that that phoned in and well, she was... Of course it was. Like, I mean, she was fairly measured, like, but she was saying, oh, if that, if that chance before half-time goes in, and I was thinking, I was right in line with it. Like, it wasn't even on target. Oh, was it not? No, it was not. It, it, no. it went past, it was it was close, like it was within a yard of the goal, but it's not on no, target. No, trouble super Jack Walton. No, nah, I mean, he, we could have said Dev didn't, he's left, but he loves <clears> that. But nothing, nah, nothing major, nah. So we kept him at bay fairly comfortably. How'd you sum up the first half? Uh, well, I made it to f- to the game for kickoff. I ate two pez. <laughs> oh, well, nah, one goal is up. that coming out now? Well, one goal up. And what, was was, the, what were the pez? Did you get the special pez, don't they? Nah, Sold I think it. they did salt and chilli chicken. I never managed. Nah, I never managed. I had, I had two oh, steak. Old Japanese flag, man. That wouldn't be probably, good. That's probably. how you go to Kinross. Uh, correct. Kinross jobby away. Yes, <laughs> yes. Let's get rid of that salt and chilli chicken pie. Yes. But nah, one nil up, fairly happy. Yeah, yeah. Like we had played with I felt like we had played comfortably and played at times within ourselves. At times we were clearly the better side. Uh, but you've got to be happy when you're one goal up away at a team that everybody is assuming is going to be our, our big rivals. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, Palah just come together, didn't it? It was party time. <laughs> it was absolutely party time. Although, for about the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, it was... It was similar to the end of the first half. Like Partick, they got a wee bit of a foothold in the game. Again, like they weren't. A, I wasn't overly worried. Like I, I must say that every week. Mm. Like we'll have to go through it. 
and clip all the times I say that. I really wasn't overly worried. I thought that we were managing it uh, perfectly. Brian Graham <clears throat> was the Brian Graham that that we all expect. Like he didn't really do much, and I can that people. <laughs> People that aren't the United fans think, oh no, he's in the best strikers in that league. And if you look at his goals and whatever, it's hard to argue with that. Like at that level, he is a good player, but he was up against boys that are uh, are forming an incredibly good partnership uh, at centre defence. And he just got no change at them pretty much a day. Mm-hmm. I think we, I was going to mention this at the end of the game, but we've mentioned both of them, but I, I thought that the performances sort of Middleton and Watt have been putting in of late. I mean, especially with Middleton, you know, he's sticking loads of great balls in the box. He's causing absolute havoc as well. He's been a bit more direct. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, like I say, sticking the ball in the uh, corridor of uncertainty. uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Tony Watt, just re- the way he just sort of picks the pockets of players, it's just a bit what I meant. He's a bit, kind of like he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. I think for a lot of them, because he just niggles a lot of them. It, it was interesting yesterday because it must have, I mean, it must have been about 10 minutes into the game before I thought, oh Christ, that's Lewis Nielsen there. Mm-hmm. And there was a few occasions as well where Tony Watt was in, it was about a foot race with him and I thought, he's not going to get any change out of, <laughs> out of him in a foot race. But like, Lewis Nielsen was fairly, he was fairly poor on the day. Uh, he, I don't know, Ken, what's happened? Like, I'd have been happy if he was still at Tannadice last season, but having watched him yesterday, he was a wee bit off it, and uh, and Tony Watt kind of he had his way, you know, he had his way pretty much with him and the other boy uh, all day. Yeah, uh, Louis Moult had a chance before we finally got the goals. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, what again? What involved. again? Setting him up. Uh, great first touch for Moult and a piss poor finish. Yeah, yeah, a piss poor finish. Like, and then it was two and two minutes. That was uh, that was bedlam. The start of bedlam. Like Kevin, I, I think they're they're trying to start an attack. Kevin Holt intercepts it. I think he he passes it. Plays a one two. Has it? Play, he plays a one two, right? And only it's when you watch the the highlights come up on the um, club's YouTube page. I don't care if Andy moaned about the club not putting them on YouTube last week, but they've appeared mm. for free at midnight on the YouTube page. And then it's not that it's like. He plays it and you're thinking, what's he going to do now 40 years for goal? Uh, what's he going to do now? He's 35. Because you're thinking, what's he passing to? Mm-hmm. And then he just, he off just, he goes. He just pinged it, yeah. And it was, uh, at the time, I thought the keeper should have done better. I still think the keeper should do better. And I've seen it back. And he get. Uh, am I right in saying he gets two hands to the bar? I, th- I think he should have. I've no, I need to see behind the goal. Uh, it's, but he's no covered himself in glory there. No, but I, no. When you've pinged there for 30 yards. You don't shoot, you don't score. <laughs> you do not. <clears throat> and it wasn't like it was a... Like it's not an absolute howler or a shot. Like it's a mm. good shot. It's on target. It's it's shifting. It's near the, the top corner. Mm-hmm. Should the keeper do better? Probably. If it's at the other end, you're thinking, come on. Fuck yeah. Fuck. How is that way? Exactly. Man? But it was uh, it was brilliant, and it was just absolute scenes. And and obviously you can as Kevin Holt, but then when you think about it as he's selling, you're like, it's against his old team, and they're beginning him stuck, and he done it right in front of their their wee band ultras. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, like yeah. great great moment. Right, two minutes later, two minutes later, and uh, well, you can yourself when you're at a game and you score a goal. Like it's, it probably takes a couple of a couple of minutes to kind of settle back down well, to you watching mean, it you mean normally. for boys to get back up the stairs correct and find their other shoe and like where's my jacket where's the scarf it doesn't matter get back where's my bear <laughs> well if you're certain people are <laughs> uh, and my memory of that goal is is Kai picking it up taking the boy on 
Looking like he'd maybe kicked it a wee bit too far and then digging out a wonderful cross to the back post. Louis Molt being completely switched on. Just a wee tap down that the head. cushioned header is the old chef's kiss <coughs> emoji, man. And then Vince McMahon running out <sighs> and just slotting it home. I'm lo- loving his goal. Mm-hmm. Loving his thing goal. is as well, when you actually look at it, I know that we are actually, you know, technique monsters here, but he seems like he really needs to shift himself to stick it in a, the hanging bag, but I keep going back to it, just a wee cushion header for Molt. Because mm-hmm. again, strikers when they've no scored for a couple of chances, they could get greedy. Let's mm-hmm. not be let's not be around the bush. Yep. And he could think, well, I'll just stick that, try and put that yeah. loop that I were keeping the back post. And he just <coughs> thinks, nah, come what? Bang. Better opportunity there, yeah. No, nah, it was it was brilliant. Like, I don't think he could have ever believed he was going to score for there, uh, Louis Moulton on a bit, but like you've seen strikers before, maybe tatting on their chest and trying Aye. to smash it. That's what I mean. Nah, never an option. He just he saw a better option in front of him, laid it off perfectly, and Dreamland like so three up. As a United fan, mm-hmm. we've been three 0 up in games before, and mm-hmm. if I went, we need a fourth mm-hmm. just to mark it safe. But at the minute, with the team we've built, and again, you can keep saying it's a championship, whatever. But with the goalie we've got, the defence we've got, you. D- I don't think really worry there. No, no. If I got a fourth party time, we got a fifth. Oh, oh bring it on. It, it was from that second goal going in to the end of the game yesterday, it was similar in many ways to watching our own United last season. Uh but some but last season it was often that we would play our right and then concede one goal and then that was it. Like we would just collapse, we would fold. And that's that's just what happened with Partick. They just Felt a butts. Mm. They felt a butts, and we we took their chances. We kept going at them. Ross Dockery at the bar. Oh man, that that would have been absolute bedlam because obviously Holtz already scored against him. If he then goes and scores against him, he he might have got lifted. I don't care what he'd have done as a celebration. Mm. But uh, we were we were just battering them at one point. Yeah, they absolutely. Went, they went doing ten men. Yeah, but that was be ten minutes left or something at three 0 Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've not seen either of them. Yellow cards. I must have missed that. I've not seen either of them. Uh, in a, well, the second one certainly, definite yellow card. Do you think that's a case he's went? Oh fuck this! I'm, I'm it. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but but it was. I'm sure it's Tony Watt. He he, he kind of leads with the elbow when yeah. he goes for a header, and I think he just smashes him. He probably played uh, another good one then, did he? Muirhead, <laughs> Muirhead, maybe, <laughs> possibly, possibly. But it was. I, I, I'm. As you say, I'm struggling to remember the first booking, but certainly the second one was definitely a booking. Uh, but I saw on Partick's, Partick's Twitter after the game, they were saying, oh, 10 men, this will fall to it. You played the game. You're not doing that. 80 minutes with 11 men. What are you talking about? And the ref was trying his best to help. He's in the first half. So, yeah, like it was a definite sending off because it was a second booking. Uh, but it, ma- it mattered not a job. It mattered not a job. And Kevin Hall obviously meant he's a goal. <laughs> it was in. A, I think he was showboating at that point, Rondo. He thought, "I'm not even going to turn and face the bar. I'm just, I'm just going to do a no look goal. I've, I've saw no look passes. I'm doing a no look goal, and I might even just let it hit my my calf or my heel or something. No look goal. What's the XG on that? <laughs> so that, that's us four 0 up, <clears throat> and then it's uh, it's brilliant work before the actual foul inside the box. Brilliant work for what again? Mm-hmm. Doing the left, then he gets in the box. He's at the middle and penalties awarded. Glenn Middleton thinks he started the penalty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was it was strange because 
like I was thinking, oh, Tony Watt will take this because he's he deserves a goal. He's but then I was as soon as Holt grabbed it, I was like, oh, he's on a hat trick, uh, and I think he's your penalty taker anyway. So, so yeah, it thing was, is, if you're four nothing up and it's that late in the game and Holt's no score, then fine. You're on a hat trick as yeah. a centre half against your old team. Against your old team. No, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean that, lads. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> it's a no-brainer, and it was never in doubt. Like I had no doubt he was going to score. Yeah. Even, even though he'd played against the boy, and I think after the game he said, "I oh, kind of like that he was panicking a bit, but he was like kind of taking a lot of penalties against that that keeper. He probably kens where I'm going to put it. Didn't matter. Mm. I don't even think the keeper moves, does he? Nah, he just nah, he's done it. He's he's had it. He's had it. Tremendous. Uh, so it's five 0 away from home. We are unbeaten in thirteen in all competitions. First quarter of the league games without defeat. Four points ahead of Wraith. Obviously didn't play because of the uh, uh, postponements. But the goal difference is frightening, isn't it? And in a good way. Mm. Like we were four conceded. We we had frightening goal difference last season as well, but it was all too different. Four conceded. Yeah, well, we scored more yesterday than than we've conceded ourselves in the league all season. Uh, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's all going well. Yeah, and like Jim Goodwin said in his post match was, yeah, I've scored five goals, but uh, you know the, the more pleasing thing for me was probably the clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Nah, less, but. Uh, it's good to get the clean sheet because so we he, had conceded. So you'd have been happy with a nil nil then? Is that what he was trying well, to tell? Well, I just come I, on, Jim. I, exactly. That's come what on I thought. Now. Whether he was he was desperate just to give him a line so he could get and get rid of these salt and pepper chicken pad out of him, but and I can. But it's like anything. You're a tuna one nil yesterday. Like generally, would have. Of course, yeah, you would have. Of course, yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's one of the games, <clears throat> and we've been on the end of these games where it, it's it's. In the moment, it felt more than just three points and one win. Like that might absolutely seeking Partick and the rest of the league. Good. Uh, like everybody, everybody is now, or no everybody, but I'm seeing a lot of comments now. Like, well, like of course United they're going to run away with the league. Look at their squad. But that's fine. Like I'm happy with mm. people having that mentality because if 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 they go into games against us thinking that they're half bit, so it should in theory, make our job a wee bit easier. And I didn't see Goodwin allowing our players to, to ease up. No chance. No, no until the job's done. And if and if you get like way ahead of myself, clearly, because I'm getting carried away here because we're 1-5 now, if you go deep into the season and you're still undefeated in the league, he'll keep on them. He'll keep on them to go the whole season. He'll, he's he's going to do that, in my opinion, he's going to do that as long as he can, as long as this lasts. That that might be in his motivational factors. Keep going, clean sheet because he probably does love a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't he? Like, that's how you win leagues. You score more goals and Aberdeen concede less. Exactly. Leagues are leagues are won on things like that. Man of the match. Yeah, ask. Well, <laughs> I, I need you to say it. Well, I'm going to feel sorry for Tony Watt because I thought he was very, 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 very good yesterday. But he kind of get man of the match and again, where your centre half keeps a clean sheet. And scores a hat trick, correct against his old team. And yeah. it, and the thing is, like Kev, Kevin Hall, I was thinking about it in the car driving back at speed of speed of light, and I was like, he's he's a, he's brilliant at both ends. Like he's very good in the air, defending his end box, and he's very good in the air. Like he's a problem for the opposition. He didn't even score a header yesterday. Didn't hit. Her. 
enough the, the cuff, the heel, the hair cheek, whatever it was, a raker and a penalty. Mm. What a player. <laughs> what a player. How and you could tell once I asked this, you could tell <coughs> me if you're just gonna lead in a good, bad, and ugly. Mm. Are you amazed at the player you thought you were getting to what so actually we've actually now got playing for our club? Yeah, yeah. And I and I say it every week. I didn't want us to sign Kevin Hope. Mm. And that was because I'm basing it on <clears throat> the fact that he's played pretty much the entire AOE's career. No, has had a couple of seasons in the top league, but pretty much the whole career in the championship. And my main memory of him was Faye Dundee, and I didn't think he was that great, but he was younger, he was a left-back. The arsehole also scored against us doing Dumfries that day. Uh, so, I, so no, I wasn't on board with that signing at all. Not at all. However, as we sit here today, nine league games into the season, he's he's been incredible. Like there's there's no doubt about it. He's he's been an incredible signing. And the fact that he and Declan Gallagher together are performing probably better than the some other parts is is just like we can't really ask much more. The guy that you feel sorry for is Ross Graham. Because mm -hmm. as long as these guys stay fit, he's probably not gonna get much of a sniff. Yeah. And he's like we were on about earlier, the changes in the SPFL Trust Trophy I think that's a change that's likely to probably be made because mm -hmm. I think you can protect one of the centre-halves mm -hmm. you know um, and you can make these wee changes but I was same as you because I thought he was very good last week I thought he was good when he came on the week before he'd done his job um, he come on yesterday obviously but again when the game's done you could take Declan Gallagher off yesterday of course you can you know? yeah. I, th I thought that Declan Gallagher and Louis Moult to an extent Yesterday, I thought that at times they looked like they were maybe still struggling a wee bit of injury and kind of not saying that they got forced into the team. I don't think Goodwin would do that, but they probably wanted to play. They probably proved their fitness to an extent, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and and we just went with it. But yeah, I, I thought that they were maybe carrying wee wee niggles yesterday, mm. but it didn't really affect their performance. No, first time Mark Ogren seen a win in the flesh in forty months. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Christ, what I went to see though. Yeah. What a win to see. Yeah, definitely. Fair, fair play to him. Mm, yeah, over for the pre-arranged visit this week ahead of the 100 um, celebrations on Friday against our broth. Right, before we get to that, talk to us, Paul. Good, bad and ugly. Good, bad and ugly. Well, the good this week, Rondo. We went to the home of a team that everyone assumes will be one of our main rivals for the title this season and absolutely dismantled them. They got debriefed in their own living room. Five goals, clean sheet, and their ex-player scoring a hat-trick against them. You just have to enjoy days like that, Rondo. The bad. There's no bad this week, Rondo. So I'm going to give you another good. We've played nine games. That's Abdi in the league once. We've scored 22. We've conceded four. We've also negotiated the first quarter of the league season undefeated. There's also, or there's always room for improvement, but as we trudged out of Tanadice after our League Cup defeat to Partick a few months back, I think we'd all have taken this. We are ticking along nicely. And the ugly. For the second week in a row, Rondo, there's nay ugly. What we have in its place is the third good of the week. At present, we currently boast the joint top scorer in the league, and it's no one of our strikers. It's not even a midfielder. Oh no! 
It's a guy that wasn't deemed good enough to sign for our beloved club at the start of this season. By Paul McNichol. Mr. Kevin Holt. The big guy is contributing massively at the back and up the park. He's fast proven to be the signing of the season, and that is pretty good. It really, really is. Attention's turn. Friday night. Mm. Football under the lights. Our broth are in town for the uh, 100 celebrations. 7.45 kick-off as we mark the 100-year anniversary of an inaugural match as Dundee United Football Club. Now, they didn't have a game due to these stormy storms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as the league looks at the minute, we are top nine played 21 points, Wraith eight played 17 points, Paddock nine played 14 points, Airdrie have played nine 13 points. Uh, see the Airdrie manager saying uh, they could still win the league and uh, then uh, got a hard-fought 1-1 one, one win <coughs> on Friday. I stopped listening to him a while, but... Uh, Arbroath in fifth place, they played eight 12 Points there being a good run as well. They did lose their last one, but they'd won their four previous to that. Uh, Air nine played twelve points. Dunfermline eight played eleven points. Queens Park ten played on eleven, and Inverness and Greenock both played eight with five points. Arbroath then mm. are near neighbours who we opened up the season two as we like you've just mentioned we've completed the first round of fixtures. It was a good win that day. That's unintentional. Um, 4-0, I would absolutely take that again on another Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yep, but if, if we've struggled anywhere this season, we've struggled at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the captain doesn't like playing. Doesn't like playing. Uh, but, but I mean, it's it's a Friday night. Arbroath weren't happy about it, so they'll probably use that as a wee bit of a motivation. Mm-hmm. That's if their boys can market to the game after <laughs> their work. Uh, but... I kind of you kind of see anything other than a home win. Like I think United's biggest impediment to winning this title for here will be complacency. Like if we get complacent, if we just think job's done already because boys are singing, don't you know, pump it up. United's going up after nine games into the season, then that's the only thing that I could see derailing us, or like a, a series of bad injuries which touch wood wanna wanna happen. Uh, but when you've got our both at home, anything less than three points isn't really acceptable yeah 100% that's one of those games that there's a lot going on the outside Mm -hmm. and we've been there before yep and you just hope for the 90 minutes the players didn't get and it's all sound (laughs) trying to to make no sound arsey but you don't want the players getting too involved in the surroundings of this celebrations yeah, and whatever. I, I don't know what Declan Gallagher worrying about it being the hundredth anniversary. Just do your Anything. job. Just keep a clean sheet. That's what you're in that team yeah. today. Keep yeah. a clean sheet. And listen, when one 0 doesn't matter. Let Holt score. Let Holt score. <laughs> okay, that's, that's as, it. as he looks right at Paul in the stand, points on. That's it. I would accept that. That's exactly what I would. I would apologise. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> My tap is off. <laughs> Celebrate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's nice for the celebrate. I, I think there's there's a few things getting uh, involved for it pre-match and whatever, so certainly mm-hmm. anything that's happening there, I, I, I'm no hiding anything. I generally did a can at this point. No? I just know there'll be stuff happening. Yeah. Augustine's coming over as well. We mentioned that a couple yes, of weeks ago. Yes, uh, he's That's his first game over, so I believe that uh, we're Argentinian, buddy. He's arriving in the country on Wednesday, so that'll be his first ever Dundee United game. So, uh, I mean, what more reason do we need to to put on a show? Exactly. Just get the job done and then move on. And then mm. you can enjoy the weekend looking down, hopefully, on Abdi else. Yeah. But another three points in the back half part. It's going to happen. Exactly. And, and again, like if you get that win, what did you say? We're four ahead of Wraith? 
Mm-hmm. So if you get that win on Friday night, touch wood, then before they've even kicked the bar, they're, they're seven adrift. And I can that they would take a couple in hand, but you'd, you'd much rather have the points in the bag than the games in the hand. So Queen's Park play Partick on Friday as well, which must be the TV game. Mm-hmm. Air play Morton on Saturday. Inverness play Airdrie on Saturday, which leaves Raytheon Fermlin. A derby. Mm. Yeah. How's that not on the TV? The are shite. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and ironically, they came closest to beating what? Yeah. In the league. Yeah. If it wasn't for Cujo's 174th uh, minute injury okay. time. No, just back on the bench yesterday. No, just getting back on the pitch. But you made it on a bus. Also on the bus. Made it on a fan. And not even the team bus. So did he just nip on the bus or did he travel on well, the bus? It's, no, as far as far as I'm aware, I think the first thing to be I'm not saying abducted onto the bus, but I think Karun onto the bus was Grimshaw. Mm. And I think he had a bit of maybe probably a couple of photos or whatever. And then Kujo was then coerced onto No, this is on this is the new team bus. Honestly, come on. And then Young Co- Cameron coerced or kidnapped Beth, <coughs> uh, and then Young Cameron bolted down to get a selfie with him. Good. And, uh, I Glad didn't think either of them knew what was going on so that way because, so and I thought, amazing, brilliant. absolutely brilliant, brilliant. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was that was an interesting in that. But yeah, it's going to be a big game Friday night uh, uh, under the lights, as you say. Can't wait. What's been happening with our loanies, Mister McNichol? Well, it was a bit hit and miss uh, with that storm over the weekend there. So, Miller Thompson, no game for him. Rory McLeod, no game for him. So, we'll go late in Bisland at Falkirk. It was a seat on the bench for 85 minutes on Saturday for Leighton as Falkirk travelled the short distance to Stirling. His title chasing side would be 2-1 up before Leighton entered the fray and he'd help his side to see the match out, claim all three points and move to the top of the table. Logan Chalmers at Air United. Logan made a trip to Fife with his air side on Saturday and ended up being the difference maker in the game. Young Master Chalmers would run James McPake's side ragged and put in a man-of-the-match performance. He'd also scored the only goal of the game in the 10th minute and it was a win for his air side that would see them leapfrog over Dunfermline into 6th place. Lewis O'Donnell at Kelty. Another Saturday and another 90 minutes for Lewis O'Donnell. This time his side were away to Alloa and although he played the full match, Alloa ran out 3-1 winners. Brian Mwangi at Spartans. Brian Mwangi may have started his loan spell with Spartans on the 29th of September this year, but as of today, the 22nd of October, he has still to make his debut for them. Brian was once again an unused sub for his loan side as they beat Mark Dernan and his Dumbarton mates 2-0. The Reserves. United fought out a two-all draw with the wee team up the road at North End Park this this past Tuesday in the Reserve Cup. In what was a relatively even match, United would take the lead with a screamer of a free kick from Rory McLeod. That lead would last until late in the second half when a bit of Dundee pressure paid off and they scored a couple of goals to put themselves in the driving seat. Not to be deterred, however, into injury time, United would win a corner. It was floated into the box but only cleared as far as the excellent Miller-Thompson who took a touch before unleashing a rocket of a half volley into the top corner of the Dirty D's net. <laughs> that was pretty much the last kick of the match, so the tie went to penalties to see who would win the bonus point. Sadly, the only penalty miss would be from United, Miller Thompson of all people, and the Dirty D's would then get the wheels turning on getting this famous derby win out on DVD in time for Christmas. 
the women's team. After their excellent 3-2 win over Aberdeen a fortnight ago, it was off to Lanarkshire to face Motherwell. In a game that would see United field their fifth keeper of the season, it would turn out to be a bit of a horror show from the team. They were well and truly scalped on the day and left Lanarkshire with their tails between their legs after taking a 6-0 beating. A real shocker of a result. This week, as we are recording this nonsense, the ladies are off to the Spartans. Not an easy game by any stretch. In fact, the team won't have any easy league games this season. But it's certainly a game that they need to be getting something from. Are the best. And just to confirm uh, that on the women's team, as the game was postponed yesterday. Ah, so there's nagy trip to Nay game. 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 I think well. they've cancelled that pretty early. Possibly. But yeah. that was cancelled yesterday. Yeah? Oh, you and the can, you were still in the car. Correct. <laughs> so, on to our A to Z of Dundee United. Uh, no shock last week. I mean, <clears throat> some people were, were questioning why even Gary Kenneth would be in the running. But when you're a local lad, plays for your local team and you lift a Scottish Cup, you've got to be. Of course you do. It was just so armed. You're up against Billy Kirkwood. Correct, yeah. And yeah. maybe with the exception of Frankie Coppell, mm-hmm. I don't see many people beating Billy Kirkwood in that. L. L. Would you like to start us off? No, well, I went first last week, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll concede to you. Okay. I'll concede to you. Would you like honourable or dishonourable oh, first? Dishonourable, and I'll just tick them off because I've no doubt got the same ends. I will start. With two players mm-hmm. who both made 10 appearances for United. Mm-hmm. Between them, they scored one goal and cleared a stand. Mm-hmm. Both of which were absolutely fucking hopeless. Mm-hmm. The first one being Emil Ling. I mean, he's on my list. No. The second being Yannick Luemba. And he's on my list as well. Both yeah. signed by who? Shaba. Correct. Yeah, sure, but I've got Emil Ling, never a football player, and Yannick Loemba, not as bad as Ling, probably would have been half decent in your old Montrose futsal team, but never really a football player. Absolutely rank. He thought he should be playing for the old firm, mind that. Uh, what yep. was that about? Yep, that's people surrounding themselves with psychophants and uh, people telling them that they're way better than they actually are. That's, that's what happened there. Uh, I threw somebody else in. Hmm. Now played eight times. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. he's in it as well. John Lucina. John Lucina. Yeah, he was hopeless. For hopeless. what I remember, uh, hopeless. So we we agree. Our three dishonourables are completely agreeable. Honourable mentions. So, this you know split opinions, right? Mm. Harry Lewis. He's on mine. Highly rated keeper for Southampton. Mm. Did all right. Makes the honourable list because he's nowhere near as honking as the other three. Yeah, he was he was essentially in goalkeeping terms. He was a burn when he came to us, and as you say, he done all right. He had a few moments where you're like, um, I think for long range he wasn't great. But uh, my memory of him is, I think he stuck fifty quid on a table in uh, the Heggy for a group well, of United lad. fans. So uh, I deserves. Thought, I thought hands off to that. I'm sure that's a true story. I'm sure I remember it. Honourable mention mm-hmm. Russell Latape mm-hmm. He's mine as well It was brief But he was a bit of a player And he gave some excitement To the fans And the ladies and fat Sams Have rumours of TV believed Not surprising In this mm-hmm. latest And my third honourable mention mm-hmm. And this will be interesting 
depending on what you do with this. Mm-hmm. Derek Lilly. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Here is it. 90 appearances, mm-hmm. 17 goals, 100 grand were paid for him. Now, striker. Yep. It's not a bad record, right? But it's not great, right? But his last-minute winner at St. Johnston saved United for relegation. But now I'm doubting my choice. Stick to your guns, lad. I'll stick to that, right? I'll, I will stick to that. And it's purely come down to an appearance thing here, but we might get that. So that's that's where I am. Have you anything to add to the honourable and the dishonourable? To on, not to dishonourable, to, to an honourable mention I've got is maybe it might be swapped for somebody that you've picked. But, oh, I've, think, but, but I've got Jim Laughlin. Yes, so you do, exactly. That's, I've got Jim, Jim Laughlin. I think uh, we're going to be in a three-way battle here. I, th- I think he was, from my memory, like Jim Laughlin played 96 times. You, you'll probably touch on him a wee bit more in a minute, but he was like, he was steady centre-half. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Similar to Lily though, he doesn't really play in a he didn't really play in a great United team, mm-hmm. it's fair to say. Yeah. But he's done a right for one. I think we're in a three way battle here. Oh, it's a set. Right. That's a set. Name the other end. So two of the guys in the poll this week are clearly going to be Derek Lilly and Jim Lachlan. Right. You're about to throw the same third in, I know. And yeah. I'm assuming Dylan Levitt is going Correct. to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've got no many boys we signed for Man United, no many boys we hear that play for their country. No many boys that we hear that get selected to represent their country. Ah, uh, World uh, Cup. Ah, uh, World Cup, yeah, yeah. Dylan Levitt's first season at Tannadice was excellent. Scored some great goals for us too, and us fans absolutely loved him. Mm. Second season was clearly nowhere near as good, and it highlighted a few shortcomings in his game, in my opinion. Uh, but he was also quite unlucky with injuries. Yeah. Uh, all that being said, the boy was a player rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. I think, yeah. the, I think there's a lot to be said for what Tom Court's got with him. Yeah, yeah, it just worked, didn't it? It just worked. And, like, the team was playing better. Yes. Like, he, he struggled in a struggling team. He played well in a team that was doing all right. Yeah, and I could see some of the... I think that's the, the thing with some players. You've, he, he was there for two seasons, and if you're if you're being really honest, his career at United was 50-50. It was very good for one year, yeah. and it was bang average for the second. Because even yep. the injuries didn't help him, Performance didn't help him. There was few, few and far between highlights. Whereas the first half, the first season, he was like a he's in highlight reel. He's in goal of the season competition at how one many, point. How many United fans didn't want to sign him? Exactly. So that's how good he was the first season. Exactly. Second, and second season, even that too. I mean, it was inevitable he was going to go right. Fair enough. Would, would he have been good in this team? Of course, he could. He could, we're playing good football. Can you've got to play? You're wanting to play somebody. You want, fine. But I just look on and I go, he's just sitting against splinters and he's asked for like 60 minutes miss weeks. Yeah. Just now. And he'll be earning good coin now. <laughs> Goes what you're saying. But yeah, he's a, he, he, a joy to watch at times in the first the first season. He really was. And you've got to remember, I mean, fucking my time had to go at him. Mm-hmm. And that. And again, whatever. And you, you, you got. So no, Liam Fox had a go. Fox had a go on as well. Fox had a go and dropped yeah. him, and then he came on at Parkhead and But scored. again, these were the few and far between hats <coughs> that season. But yeah. I think that first season. He was brilliant. He was brilliant for us. Yeah. yeah. But again, this is where it comes down, eh? It's Ed, when you actually look at what you've got to pick with, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, wouldn't I am next week? Brutal. Well, there might I, be about 20 players in that. Well, uh, you might remember or you might know, but somebody DM'd us a while back about the, the A to Z and they said, when you get to M, 
is it worth having an M and an MC different weeks? And I think there's merit in that, Rondo. What do you reckon? Well, we'll see what happens. See what happens next. See what we'll remember next week. Okay. See how many names we'll come up with. Yeah, okay. We'll speak about it midweek. We'll see how many names we'll come up with there. But yeah, that's so that is it. We're going three way next week. Yeah. Lachlan, Lily, Levitt. I'm fairly certain I can was going to win this. Mm. Mm. Uh, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> but hey, that's, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. So this week, um, as we mentioned uh, at the top of the, uh, the podcast starting, we were due to all reconvene at Dode Fox HQ to chat through the footballing career of the best McNichol that there is, but the storm, babe T, as Paul's calling it, uh, put paid to that. So we jumped on teams uh, to speak to Fiona. So our guest this week was the Dode Fox podcast player of the year from last season and quite clearly the best footballer in our family. Fiona McNichol is our guest and hopefully for the next wee while gets to put one over her brother. How are you, Fiona? I'm good, thanks. Here to collect that award that you've gave us but never seen in the end. Well, I mean, it's an intangible award. It's just, it's more a title than an award. But uh, you've got to sleep easier, Kenan, that you were poor player of the year. <laughs> or to be honest, Paul was going to bring it the night, but the storm had other ideas. Just, just leaving it there. Uh, has, uh, has usurped us your plans <laughs> were changed but anyway um, thank you very much for uh, battling through the storm to go to a spare room and speak to her online given the storms that are amongst us right now now growing up with three older football daft brothers a United supporting dad I'm going to guess it was quite inevitable that you'd get into football Fiona I had no choice there was no dancing. There was no girly stuff. It was go to the park with your brothers. We need you out the house for a bit. But I mean, Rondo, between me and you, we needed a goalie. We needed a goalie. That's that's, that's what was going on there. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And I tell you, what, uh, was it like just a household just full of football at the time? So we were lucky enough to stay just off the Clippy Road. Well, on the Clippy Road, but just behind us, we had a brilliant junior ground that we used to think was our play park. Mm-hmm. So we might jump over the wall, play a nice game of football on nicely cut grass. We wouldn't go around to Fairmere Park or anything like that. We would go to the one in between. And then when the people in the clubby came and noticed, they would start shouting at us and we would think we would escape by jumping over the wall and into the house. But they kept knowing. They kind of knew because our family went to that clubby who these little rascals were. That's the nicest way to say it. And, and it's also very accurate. It's also <laughs> very accurate. So what, what was your, if you think back then, Fiona, what was your first football in memory? What's the first the first thing you could pinpoint as thinking, oh, right, that's, that's football, that's what that is? Um, probably having a kickabout every summer with the with my brothers Ian and Stephen. Paul, you were too old and too cool to play with us. Never too football cool. Back he, was, then. he was too old, um, that's about that. <laughs> too old, too old. Um, so my brother Ian used to arrange friendlies with the Linlathan boys, the Fairmere boys, the Curtin boys. And again, like Paul's just said, yes, I ended up getting put in the goal because I was just a spare player. Didn't really want to play in goal, but that was the only way I was allowed to get involved in that. So... <laughs> The funny, the funny thing is there, Fiona, can you were the spare player, 
Paul gets called a spare and it starts with a P as well, but it's no player. <laughs> it does. Certainly no player. Certainly no player. So, so, Paul, if you were too cool to be playing, what were you then at this point? Oh, I mean, I was just doing cool things, Ronnie, obviously. Uh, you were neck and mind the bike sheds, weren't you? Uh, I, I probably was not. <laughs> we, we may in hand if I was. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, simple as that. Was that just, it was just, I mean, it's like that, it's that constant thing of sort of playing and playing. When would you would you have played for a team first, or would you have went to a game first, Fiona? Like, would you have been taken to a game at a really young age? Um, I'm going to say a bit of both. I th- I can't remember when my dad bought us a season ticket for the family section in the George Fox, and um, so we used to always go along there. So if my dad was working his shifts, then my mum had to take us. It was just we were having to go to the football. And one of the early memories of going to watch the football was you got to go along to the fruit shop at the top of Caird Avenue to pick what fruit you got to eat at half time. No sweet eat for your shop. Yeah. How things and have changed, Paula. How things have changed. <laughs> but that was the old man. That was like he used to he used to tell you and he'd be like, right, what do you want? Apple, pear, banana. You're like, I'm on a quarter of cola cubes, but there's none of them in the shop. So I used to used to get a bit of fruit rondo. Wow! I actually forgot about that. Wow, <laughs> the, the days are long gone. Oh, by the way, totally. Have you got an idea of what? Well, maybe know the game sometimes, but the season or that you would have been the first time you were going. Mm, I'm not too sure. I think the the first season I probably proper remember is when United played Newcastle United, and I had to look it up on the Arab archives. It was July 1998, and we're one three one, and Ruth Hulett was the manager of the team yep. and I was like you are amazing he was just so such a cool dude I love Chelsea because of it and I remember like because we lived so close to where they were training of course that luxury park that we used to play football on when we were younger we went around to watch them train got our Newcastle United strips on and just stood with our markers at the bottom getting other players to sign it. Mm-hmm. So it was great. Can you? Well, the, another thing then, Rondo, uh, and this is a wee link to a, pod, a podcast pal, but he's not been on the podcast, but like we're now friends with him. When Fiona, Ian and Stephen nip to her that wall at that junior park to go and try and watch Newcastle United training, the groundsman at the time, because I believe it was United that were actually keeping North End Park in good nick. They were doing so that for a couple of junior grounds, weren't they? Yes, yeah. yes. But the groundsman that day chased them and threw them out and I was all for, I thought, How, what are you on about? I was all for rapping his puss. That groundsman was Jimmy Hogg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so he chased the McNichols out of the park. I was yeah. bailing that day. Yeah, I, but, but Jim's I'm the top man. Positive they were. They used to look after quite a couple of junior grounds. Because mm-hmm. mind you, what I think about then there was no St Andrews or anything. They were training one no, they could. No, no, you know, no, no. And that's the same. No, they done it. They done a cracking job. <laughs> the pitch was in really good nick. Mm-hmm. As as uh, as you want to find it. Football on the time. <laughs> I mean, Nichols just causing bother wherever they go. Exactly. Oh, wherever they go. Um, what would your first strip have been? And again, I think it was, I remember the 1994-5 Rover strip, the white one. Mm -hmm. I remember that one. And I also remember the pony strip. And it was always the Telewest sponsor, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then because my birthday's in May, like not like nowadays where the strips are announced before then, 
I would never get a strip for a birthday. I would have to wait till Christmas came along. And then by the time that was on, they would get us maybe the home strip. And then after Christmas, the away strip would get released. And then I would take away again for that. So it's just the way the birthdays land, I guess. I just think it was Dad's tightness, really. <laughs> I mean, he could have got you when it come Or you got the discount in. Uh, see that game, Newcastle? Um, I've just looked up there. Like, we won 3-1 that day. Yes. Uh, yeah, we did. Yep. Get my scores, Paul? You've had a look at this today, have you? Uh, no, no, I genuinely haven't. Who scored for us? Uh, I, can't, I can't even I'll mind. Tell, I'll tell you now, two of them have been mentioned in the last couple of weeks on the podcast. And one of them... Hmm. Um, 1998? Yeah. 1999. 1999. One of them's one of them's, uh, one of them's one of the best signings in terms of deals ever. Dodds? Billy Dodds scored the first, yeah. Billy Dodds. What scored Newcastle's that day? Paul Robinson. I mean... Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I remember him. I remember him. Was their goalkeeper... Perez, Lionel yes. Perez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember him. And Paul Robinson uh, obviously went on to play for us. The following yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Boy, I love the step over. Could... Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons good. Somebody uh, surname begins with J. Dan Jackson. Uh, 1999. Good point. Uh, the other end. Sure. It wasn't Siggy. It was Siggy. There you go. Siggy, Christ Almighty, there you go. Oh, well. Uh-huh. I do remember that game, but uh, I couldn't... Uh, it, uh, it's weird because normally when a team the size of Newcastle come up, you would be thinking, oh, I remember seeing such and such a player, but it was just Hulett that I remember. Just because he was Rude Hulett, and he was a massive name in football back then. Oh, he was, yeah, But I can't remember much of their team. Like what Fiona says, he was cool. Uh, first hero, he Fiona. Cool. Jimmy Patterson. Oh, Jimmy Parsons, step, step overs. overs. King! <laughs> yeah, step overs. I mean, goalies nowadays want to do step overs. I hope you're not doing that at the same time. You know what I mean? But a good player. Good player. Injuries killed them a wee bit. But a uh, good player. They, they did. They did. Now, we, we, myself and Rondo, love Jim Parsons. Uh, but back, back to yourself anyway, Fiona. So, when you were getting into football, like actually like organised football, how and where did you get your start? Uh, Maryfield United because my brother Stephen was playing for them at the time and I think I was probably like to say six or seven maybe about that age and uh, so we used to play around at Fairmere Park and then when I was nine I then started I joined for for Farm and the women's club that I played a long time for um, but didn't start as a goalie that was not an option I was the striker then <laughs> first tournament I was the top school scorer in that tournament and never looked back <laughs> well you must have looked back and you must have thought there's a position further back there that I'm going to be needed in nah what was never. it like so did you did, I, go I was going to say what was it like at that age for a young girl going into boys football well looking back on it now I wish I was younger now the way that the girls' football setup is, because there wasn't a lot of girls' teams in the local area. But if you look now, there's Drybra, there's Dundee West, there's United, there's Forfar, Arbroath, Carnoustie. Like the closest team to me was Forfar. And the only reason I joined then is because my granda Ian knew one of the 
uh, I would say he was a coach, but he wasn't really a coach. It was a, a grandparent that was involved in helping run the Pro- club. Probably on the committee. But he, he kind of took our team that I used to play with on a, a Saturday in, with Forfar. Charlie Lewis was uh, the coach of the team that I was involved in. He used to come and pick us up. I had to be at the bottom of Smith Street. He would come and mm-hmm. take, pick us up to go to the games, take the team. But as I say, take the team. When you were younger, he was that easy Ozy. You used to tell him where you wanted to play. So I was always up front, never in the goal, <laughs> never in defence. <laughs> and everybody had their positions they wanted to play. And then two of the ladies players at the time says they would come and help coach. So everybody had to take a turn in the goal because nobody wanted to play in goal. Nobody mm-hmm. put their hands up for that. So they kind of says, right, Fiona, it's your turn this week. And ever since then, I've always been stuck in the goal for women's football. But, but did you I enjoy it? No, what I did in a way because what I've achieved in football, I would never have achieved if they didn't shove me in that goal that one game. Mm-hmm. And then I was lucky because when I was still young enough, I was still playing for the boys up until the age of 12, 13, because after that age, and girls are not allowed, well, back then you weren't allowed to play with the boys. So on a Saturday, I would play in goal for the girls. And then on a Sunday, I would play outfield for the boys team, which Mm -hmm. was ran by my father, which was absolutely hellish. Him and his pal, Lyle Murdoch, took a team and that was just mental. We never won a game. Worst worst manager you've ever played under? Oh, he would give some really bad United managers a a run for their money. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a few of them. There's been a few of them. There's been a few of them. But like on that, like even at, um, you know, kind of that young age and I remember like back then as well that it's obviously different now with the infrastructure, the, you know, the amount of opportunities but then you know, even if you had like a, a girls want to come and play football, it was a real weird thing at the time, you know. But mm-hmm. you've obviously seen it, Fiona, coming for, I'm going to use the word experience, right? And it's not an age thing, but the yeah. amount of change you've it's seen <laughs> since then to now must be just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is amazing how much yeah. it's changed. And it's so, and it's still got a long way to go. Mm. And mm-hmm. that's something that I'll speak about later on in yeah. this, like when we're going through this podcast conversation. But it's just amazing. But there's still room for improvement always. Mm. So mm-hmm. back then, you got to 13. You couldn't play for the boys club anymore. What a, te- what a, what a, yeah. what a stupid rule. Yeah. So what happened then? Did you well, just need to focus the on the forfer stuff then? So when the forfer, uh, the boys football dropped off, when I was 13, I then started to train with the ladies at Forfar. So when I hit 14, their goalie went away on holiday. And then I then ended up playing for the women's team age 14 mm-hmm. on a Sunday. My dad just says, let's go what, what league, and see how it goes. What league would they have been in at that point then, Fiona? I think they might have been in, the way that the framework is now and structure, I would probably say League 2, League 1. Okay, okay. So they asked us to play and then that was it. Saturday football with the under age groups at Forfar, Sunday football with the women up at Forfar. So that's what weekends were made for for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was the sort of what were the sacrifices that had to be made then for 
a girl trying to make her way into the game at that age. And like, I can kind of, I can vaguely remember the old man had to take you to Livingston for training and, and whatever. I can't remember if that was for Scotland or no, but, but what did you have to kind of give up in order to follow your, your dream to, to play football? So with Forfar, I had to train on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. So that was the chairman used to come down with his minibus and pick mm. all the Dundonians up to take us up to training. And then on the way back down from Forfar, we would stop in the chipper because that's always a healthy meal after <laughs> you've trained. <laughs> and then he would drop us off at the um, where Burger King is because it all had to congregate around there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also got involved with, I don't know what it's called now, but it was called the Tayside Development Squad. So I used to train with them on a Wednesday night. So with that, that was when I had my first ever goalie coach, and it was Mandy Dugan. And later on, mm-hmm. I ended up knowing Mandy quite well later mm-hmm. on. Um, so then done that on a Wednesday night as well. And then they put me forward for a trial for regionals. So the East Region, I, we had done Diaz, we are based in the East Region, but the East Region training used to be held in Edinburgh. And then was getting moved to Livingston. So I then got selected into that. So that meant every Friday, my dad had to pick me up from school and I had to travel through to Livingston to have a 90-minute training session and travel mm-hmm. back. Yeah. However, the one thing that was a positive thing for my dad was he was the fittest ever because he joined the gym. When I was at Truman, he was at mm. the gym. <laughs> I, think, I think that was the last time he saw a gym. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing though that like anyone we've spoke to, and it could be you know young players that have come through United. I'm thinking Declan Glass here when they use the opportunity, but the sacrifice mm. that the parents make Correct. at that yeah. young mm-hmm. age, you know, to yeah. get you here, there, and everywhere, and make sure you've you know you've got the boots, the shin guards, and everything well, for you, gloves and everything. Mm-hmm. But that sacrifice is. It's it's never sort of glossed over, I think. I think, but it's a massive sacrifice. Like when you're doing that on a Friday night for, like you say, 90 minutes, you know, three, four hours at the Uh house on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah, of course. And as a parent, you you probably, parents didn't think twice about doing it. And at the time, I dare say, to Fiona, it may just have seemed normal. Uh, But now that she's a parent, you know, she probably wouldn't think twice about doing it for for her young lad either. It's, It's just... Just the way it goes, I suppose, Rondo. But it's, uh, but yeah, to, to try and get to levels above anything that me and you came close to in our football, <laughs> I don't want to say career, in our time in football, uh, you've, you've got to do that. You've got to do these things. And then you played, obviously, you played for Forfar for about a million years, I think it was. Uh, you literally went from girl to woman, you went right through the leagues into the top league. Uh, and Forfar, for a, for a team the size of Forfar, to stay in that top league, I'm not even sure how many years it is. You'll, you'll know better than me. But uh, to kind of punch above your weight for so, so many years, that must have been a hell of an achievement. And like the, the team spirit and the camaraderie that you guys built up there uh, it must have been just a joy to be a part of. Yeah, it was. Forfar, like you said, I spent the majority... If not, well, one year I didn't, of my footballing career, I wasn't with Forfar. Mm-hmm. And for being such a small team, they weren't linked with the men. So they were just this independent football club. Their closest link was a 
a state, I don't even know if it's a state, it's a place in America where we went on an exchange a couple of times. It was great. That was just another great experience that I was able mm. to have with Forfar. Um, but like like you said, we all had to be a close-knit team and the coaching staff, they, none of them got paid. They just done it as a voluntary basis. And as the league started to get more serious and see the growth of women's football, they all had to have like a license qualifications. They had to be able to, like some of the coaches I have, have had in my life could be a United manager. They've got that many qualifications that the league's put in, but they're doing giving up their time. Like now as a coach myself, three nights a week training plus a game, it's, it's your, if you're a coach, you end up having to put in more time away from football to just plan a session, to analyse a game, to work on mm-hmm. tactics, to think about everything. As a player, you just need to show up, try yeah. your best, and then see you later. That's kind of it. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it sounds relatively easy to be the player <laughs> rather than the coach, I suppose. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what would be your favourite memories for your time with Forfar then? Albeit, like you, you've mentioned, American trips and whatever, but you were there a good, no, no kick in the arse off for 20 years you were up there. What would be like, your main memories for that time? Um, I think one of my main memories is when we won our the first League Cup mm-hmm. and that was done at uh, McDermott Park in 2005 and we played mm-hmm. Inverness and we got went into extra time, it was one all and we managed to win 2-1 and it was again Colin who was the coach but he's kind of the club chairman and then a guy, Tam, who was such a nice boy but again, I didn't have a goalie coach at that point so I was still training with the team Never really had goal, goalkeeper specific training. Um, that was a good achievement for us. And mm-hmm. also, when we first won promotion to the top league, we were playing at the junior ground in Newborough. And uh, I can't remember who it was we were playing. Um, but it got down to a penalty shootout. And it was being the goalie, all the pressure's on you. No matter mm-hmm. what people say, it's their <laughs> job to score. It's all the pressure's on you. And it got to, I think it was 5-5. And I was like, right, okay then. And by the way, I scored one of these penalties because I was one of the first few up because I love a penalty and I love a free kick. Just going to say that right now. (laughs) Did you smash it? Did you just smash it though? It's called Top Bins. I'll teach you that one day. (laughs) 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 And so we won that penalty shootout uh, 6-5 and it was just amazing. Just the realization that we've done it is mm. so good. Super. See, like obviously, obviously now there's the different leagues and that. But how many and what teams would there have been playing in that league sort of back then? So back when I was playing, there was teams like um, I think I don't I think no, but I maybe did have a team. Um, nobody was really linked with men's clubs back then yeah. so like your Celtic, Rangers um, even United they weren't linked with big clubs I remember when Celtic came into the league, they took over a team that was named Arsenal North <laughs> so instead of starting down at the lower divisions and working your way up they just took over ownership of a team that was in a league at, at like kind of in the Championship League and yeah. it was it was kind of mental if you think about it now but um, yeah. Yeah. So I can I can remember coming up to watch some of the games and then Glasgow City 
became a club. And obviously, mm-hmm. I think they must have rose through the divisions fairly comfortably because they've only been a mm-hmm. club about 25 years or something. Like, relatively, they're relatively, I was about to say they're relatively young. Like, Celtic and the Rangers teams are, probably, are even younger, I suppose. But uh, but they just started winning everything. And it, it was a bit like, okay, like, well, I appreciate the fact that you're a new club and you're adding something to the game, but come on. Like, give other people a chance. And then I think from on the back of that, and this is only from my memory, I think Hibs were also one of the better teams. Yeah. Uh, were Hibs one of the first ones that were actually linked to the to their men's club then? Yes. Hibs, right. Hibs were the first ones to have a close link. So okay. when I was at um, the East Regional training camps, and mm-hmm. um, I remember that when I was going on a Friday night, that's when I managed to get my first trial for Scotland at the underage groups. Mm-hmm. And the Hibs manager at the time of the under-17s uh, was like, come and play for us, come and play for us. And I says to my dad, oh, I want to play for a team that wins all the time, wins mm-hmm. trophies, everything like that. My dad says, no, you'll stay local and you'll stay for a team that you'll learn and develop it. Because if you're going to go to a team that's winning 6 or 7 nil, you're not going to do anything in a game and you're not going to develop yourself. And I used to think, I just want to win a medal. Mm. But I'm so glad now that I always kind of stuck with a team that made me busy because it made me look better. <laughs> well, uh, it may have, but I'm going to suggest that the old man said, no, that's not happening. You're staying local. And I think that's the key <laughs> word here, Rondo. Like he was looking at his pearl and he was, I was going to be adding up if he sent it to Fiona Edinburgh every second week. So uh, I, I kind of understand the old man's thinking on that. And it, but it worked out well. Because I think well. Well, a lot of the clubs just sort of like community clubs essentially then to start with. Locally, yes. Mm-hmm. They were locally. And then that's like, and then we never, like, we would never play, like nowadays they've got a National Performance League where Aberdeen will play Hibs and we'll play Hearts, Glasgow City, and they've got the infrastructure starting to happen at that age group. But when I was playing at the younger age groups, the furthest away I might go, it was Stonehaven. And then mm-hmm. go to Perth, it was quite local. There wasn't that many teams either. It was just, it was it was a nice way to be in football as well. But then it wasn't if you were wanting to progress and challenge yourself to go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's spot on. Uh, no, we didn't want to totally gloss over your whole career at Forfar, but you were there for a number of years. And then, as far as I'm aware, when you left Forfar, that was it. You retired. And then lo and behold, it must have been like, a, I think it was maybe a season out or or if, if it was a season out and then you show up at United. So signing for United, how did that come about? So when I left Forfar, I didn't leave the way that I wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose not to then play football again because I'd never played for a team other than Forfar. So I didn't know if I would enjoy it or not. Mm-hmm. So then I started coaching at the Community Trust with the under six teams and eight teams, girls team. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I got added into a group chat with Harry. Ah. So then I was coaching there with them. And then I stopped coaching with them and started coaching with other teams. And then about February, March time, the season, had, I think just as Lauren got injured, um, he kept texting me and saying, do you fancy coming to training? Do you fancy coming to training? I was like, I'm old, I'm fat, I'm tired. I don't think you want me to play for you. 
So I then said, That's why I say stamina. I bullet and says, <laughs> well, I bit the bullet and says to him, I'll come and I'll come and have a session with you. And the thing that was easy about going to that is a lot of the girls at the time United had, I'd played with before, like Jade, mm-hmm. Tammy, Robin, Danny, like some of the younger girls that I'd seen when I'd played before for. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of we catch up with them, but really he was wanting to see if I liked it. Yeah. And it took me about five months to tell him I would sign because I was never sure. Am I too old? Am I too slow? Is mm-hmm. it got a lot quicker? And am I, am I going to make an arse of myself? Because that's mm-hmm. the one thing I didn't want to do is think, right, I could do this. And then I just... And then find it you're going to. No. Especially when it's all the highlights are live on uh, BBC Scotland on a Monday night. <laughs> well, clips now. That, that, <laughs> it was all cool. hidden before. <laughs> but, but what was the thing that made you that that got you over that wee mental hurdle then, and to to think to yourself, no, I do want to, I would do want to try this, even for like a year or, or however long it may have been. So the main thing that happened was we had a, we had a few friendlies, but we had a friendly against Motherwell, and I stressed to my partner, if I can do this, I could do it with a team against Motherwell. So. She came and watched me play as well, and I was, and it just felt normal. It felt like I'd rolled back all the years of when I played. But the one thing that I noticed is I came back a different player because before I was quite an angry player. I would shout mm-hmm. a lot, and the referee mm-hmm. would have a lot of abuse in his ear. But mm-hmm. when I came back now playing with United, I was calm. I was helping the girls. I was coaching the girls on the pitch. I wasn't a shout when abuse like I used to shout. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I can vividly remember standing at the side of the station park watching you, trying to get you calmed in over the flight as we thing. And when just just go for the bath you on it. Don't worry about that lassie's left knee. You don't need to collect that either. <laughs> I suppose the big, di- like you mentioned there, Fiona, as well, is the big difference is, you know, the, the game has grown that it's got sort of the BBC coverage and stuff like that so yeah the wee cheeky comments the referees and that you just didn't get away with now I suppose no you didn't no you chance. can see them under your breath or see them in your you can say it to yourself but whenever mm. you open that mouth no you can't get away with that so when when you've went back then obviously you've had a wee bit of time out uh, the training now from what I'm led to believe the training is a lot more intense than it would have been obviously when when you started out like you you even mentioned that you didn't have a goalie coach for years and years uh so what what was the biggest change going from like a forfer albeit with a year's gap or a year and a bit's gap to then going and playing for a top another top flight scottish team uh, i mean you've got to obviously juggle personal life working life uh how did you cope and how did you manage it all uh at the very start i cope badly because not only did I decide to play football, I decided to take on a new job. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that was stressful enough at the time. So, so the training schedule for United when I was playing was a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then a game on a Sunday. So when I first started with Harty, I says to him, I don't know if I'll be able to make a lot of Wednesdays because then when am I going to have time to find to do homework with my son? if I'm never mm-hmm. in the house, because I also coach on a Monday, Thursday. So technically, I wasn't in the house very often. Um, so playing with United, it was good. But when I first joined, we didn't have a goalie coach. <laughs> and 
And it turned out the boy that ended up being my goalie coach last year, Richie, he was mm-hmm. on the same course that I was doing for to get my UEFA B license. Mm-hmm. And he was involved at the community trust. And if it wasn't for Drew to say, do you want a fancy coming to train Fiona for a couple of sessions? I just didn't let him go. Yeah. Whether his wife or his partner wanted him to be there, I just says, please come back. Because <laughs> it was good to have somebody like that would respect you and I respected him. Okay, you might say some things during training, I would shout him a lot, but that was just me getting my frustration out because I'm old. And I kind of <laughs> do what he's wanting us to do. And I kind of <laughs> jumped that high. <laughs> but this son, it was great to have Richie. So um, Richie helped me a lot during the year as well, playing United, because having somebody, because being a goalie is quite lonely, mm-hmm. because everybody looks at the scoreline and maybe thinks, take... Take Sunday, for example, 6 now. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> ah, that goalie must have had a howler. But to <laughs> be fair, not all, not all the time. And I think that's something I came back play, when I stopped playing to come back. I then came to the realisation, not every goal is a goalkeeper's fault. And mm-hmm. that's what I kind of say to the girls that I coach and boys. Just because you're the last line of defence doesn't mean it's your fault. Okay, mm-hmm. people make mistakes, but mistakes happen all over the pitch. Just when we make a mistake, it costs a goal. And before you say it, Paul, I'm just going to bring this up right now. The Glasgow City sending off. Most second sending off in my career. I thought I didn't touch her. Okay? I thought she went for a wee dive into the swimming pool. But looking back on the BBC highlights, okay, I could see I was too slow. And that is when the day after I text Hartie and says, don't ever ask me to play such a high line against girls that are rapid. Mm. And that was it. <laughs> I can't believe that's the main t- The main takeaway has got to be the fact that you did wipe her out. Like, you're saying you're too slow. No, they were being too slow. And they were you wiping the last eight. And I think we'll probably, yeah. I probably pissed Hartley off the mist. I think you were about five and a half at the time anyway against Glasgow City. Not like there was a comeback on the kids. Uh, <laughs> But then, well, you, you got there think, before me. Yeah, but then I was thinking, I maybe can, don't worry about playing a goalie. I'll maybe the defence needs another player because they keep like letting on, all these people through to score. Mm. So I, I, the way I see it is, Hattie asked me to play a high line, and it was the last time he asked me to do it because I says I'm too slow. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, like, we've got a couple of questions that we've lined up, but the, the next thing I'll jump ahead a wee bit. So, like on about a, like a Glasgow City, I need to ask you about the games against the big three. Like from from having watched you play for Flaffer to then watching you for United, the gulf between Glasgow City, Celtic, and the Rangers is absolutely massive. Uh, and it's at the minute, it's I, I just I'm, I'm wondering what the point is when I'm watching these games. Now I get that having full time professional women's teams in Scotland is progress, and it's definitely a great thing. But the distance between these teams like the City, Rangers, Celtic and teams like United it's, it's almost insurmountable at present uh, and when I go to these games like I'm just I, I, I don't see the point you know so what was it like actually playing in these games for you and for your teammates and do you ever do, does the setup ever change because when I'm watching the games I don't know I don't go to the United say United v Motherwell or United v Celtic and notice too much in the way or a change in formation or that, I would be personally just <laughs> playing a flat back 10 that day because if you get anything out of that game, it's it's a minor miracle. But what is it like to actually play in these games knowing 
that you're on a hide into nothing? The way I see it is I don't care if you're Glasgow City Rangers or Celtic or your Arbroath Community Trust. They're all mm-hmm. people. So the way I see it is if you play the best that you can play, then if it's best on if everybody does that on the day, you might get a result. And we never kind of changed the way that we wanted to play last year if we were playing Glasgow City or Glasgow Women. The only thing is when we were Playing Glasgow women, you had time to have a couple of extra touches on the ball and think Mm -hmm. where you're going to make that pass. But when you play Glasgow City Rangers or Celtic, when you're getting that pass delivered to you, you need to know where you're hitting it before they Mm -hmm. steal that ball for you. There's no waiting on the ball. You need to go to the ball. And that's Mm -hmm. something that, like, in training, Harry and Drew and all that, that, they kind of put high standards on us. And that's great. The thing that probably let, lets teams like United and that down is we're not full-time. We're not even probably junior level but mm. or our growth level like men's teams because if you think of it, worked all day. I've had a kid and I've got a son. I've got a house to run. Everybody's got stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Glasgow City Rangers and Celtic, that's your job. Yeah. Their job is to play football. Their jobs and Celtic they train within Lennox Town. Rangers probably train within Money Park. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're saying that we should have just played a flat back 10. No, mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't do that. We can't defend on our box. To me, you may as well go for it. What are you going to do? All you're, all you're going to do is lose three points. I, I would suggest not showing up and then you only lose three points and three goals as opposed to some of the things I've witnessed over the last 12 months <laughs> no, but, but I'm joking but I, I was just wondering if it's if it's one of them where you look at the fixers and you look and you're thinking oh Christ can we go Celtic next week and there's no really we're not going to get nothing out of that or, as opposed to looking and thinking Hamilton Hamilton away next week uh, dance that right there's a good chance of getting three points in that gap because uh, watching these games as I say I just find it incredibly frustrating because you, every United player in the team can play at their absolute maximum. And the chances are that it's still going to be on paper when you look at the end result, it's still going to be about a tanking. And as you've touched on, you said the, the fitness issue of being full-time against like a, a, essentially a part-time team, that does make a big difference. 100% that makes a difference. It would be like I don't know, our broth for to use your example, being in the the Premier the, the Scottish Premiership all the time. Like they wouldn't have won many games, Rondo. They they just wouldn't have. They would and they would probably get a few pumpings along the way. Uh but yeah, I was I was just interested to hear if it was frustrating playing in these sorts of games. No. I kinda I thrived on it and I enjoyed it. And I think the girls as well also didn't enjoyed it because you're up against people that are in the Scotland setup and or the national setup. Because it's not before you used to only have players like when when I used to play before. It used to be the best Scottish player stayed in Scotland. Mm-hmm. It's not got that anymore. Like Glasgow City's got um a girl from South Africa playing for them. Paul, who was your favourite player for Glasgow City last year? Priscilla Chinchilla. <laughs> so it's I, asked, I asked you I asked you to get me her top. <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen. I was raging, Rondo. <laughs> no, 
know, because if you think about it, that's and what's another bad thing as well is that's the only games that the BBC would put on for United mm. being on telly. As against Celtic and Rangers and Glasgow City, they didn't really bother about any of the other games. Last year they put Aberdeen on, which I thought was a good step forward, but they would not have really put on United playing Hamilton. And I get that it's maybe not the best spectacular sport sporting mm. game to watch, but the way I see women's football completely different to men's, and you'll probably both disagree with me, is I think that women's football is more tactical and it's it's not as fast-paced, so you've got to be on the ball, in my mm. opinion. I, I mean, I have no idea if it's more tactical. I'm hopeless at analysing tactics in the men's game. Rondo's a wee bit better at that than me sometimes when he's no havering and waffling about double tens and whatever. Uh, wrong with double but, tens. But, that, that, <laughs> but that's one thing that you do notice. Like In the, in the women's game, uh, the, the ball's on the ground a lot more, I think. Uh, it's I, I, like, for one example, I, our mate Martin Rondo, he now and again comes along to watch the women's games. And I can remember him conversations we had before he came and watched the games. And then like he's probably changed his opinion a wee bit. Like it is the standard is quite good. Is it comparable to the like the top flight women's to the top flight men's? Probably not. But again, it's it's different target audience, I think, that they that they've got. Uh but that's that's not to take any shine away for it, you know. It's and like you and in and fee, you're 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 saying Ah, oh, well, it was good that we were on TV against Aberdeen. It's absolutely fantastic that it's on TV because it never used to be on TV, women's uh, women's football. That wasn't a thing at all. And I think this coming weekend, I think uh, Celtic v the Rangers is on live on Sky Sports. Now, you could... I mean, <laughs> I'm no big fan of these two teams, but like it's it's good that they're, they're highlighting the women's football that way. And again, similar to the men's game, the, the women's... Premier League or Super League, whatever they call it down south, that's on the TV all the time these days. So again, it steps in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But your time at United anyway, you only stayed there a season, but it was relatively successful, uh, in my opinion, because you consolidated your top flight status. Uh, you would finish ninth uh, that season. And there were some games that I think probably where points were left on the table, you know, you maybe should have won some and you drew them. Certainly the two Aberdeen games at home that you, I think you lost both of them should never have, should never have lost their games. But uh, what was the overall feeling from your time at United? Like, and, and no, like, no, the whole bigger picture, but just was it a case in your mind of job done? I've, I've came in for a year and, and the club have maintained their top flight status. 100%. All I mm-hmm. wanted to do was make sure I had the ability to play at that level and my team that I was playing with never got relegated. So that's two ticks for me. That's mm-hmm. why I've hung, hung my gloves up for a few months before you <laughs> well, well, like, did you know, coming in at the start of the season, did you know yourself it was only going to be for a year or, or were you open-minded? You just thought, no, because you said that you weren't sure if you were going to be able to do it, but then when you realised you were able to do it, did you think, I could maybe get a couple of years out of this or was it just a one and done deal in your own mind? To be fair, when I came back, I thought I was only back for six months because Mm -hmm. I only came back because their other goalie got injured, Lauren got injured. So when I spoke to Lauren, she said she would be back at a set time. And then as that time started approaching and I started to, I did enjoy myself playing football 
I then started to see that it's not going to be January, it's February. It's not February, it's March. And then I was like, may as well see out the season then, because mm-hmm. I've only got until May. So that's what I've done. But after May, Hartley was always messaging me, asking how I'm doing, what I'm up to. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you just know, though, mm-hmm. at the end of the season, had you made your mind up? That was you. I think I made my mind up before the end of the season that what the way that the league is, after playing everybody a few times and seeing how much the game's grown, I just kind of think it's better for somebody that is able to commit way more to it than I am actually able to commit with the way that my life is at the Mm. moment. So I kind of was happy that I was able to do it, but I knew that I would not be able to do the same again this year because, like I said to you earlier, I was never in the house. If I wasn't Mm -hmm. playing football, I was coaching football. And if I wasn't coaching, and sometimes even when I was playing and coaching, I had to bring my son along so that I was spending time with him while he collected the footballs that I either booted away for him to do. Or tipped to at the bar. (laughs) Or, yeah, so it's just the way it is for me. Yeah, and and I know that um, I know that this past weekend there was a trialist in the goal. Any information you could help me on that? Well, I finally bit the bullet, and mm. after so many months of asking, and he was in dire straits, I said yes, but I only said yes to try it, be a trialist, yeah. even though he thought I'm just going to try and send you a signing on for him. I says, no, 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 give me the trialist for him and I'll play for you one game. And was that a successful conclusion of one game at all? Uh, sis, what was the score in that one game? And was any of the goals the keeper's fault? Well, what I thought was funny is after the game, I had to ask the, one of the girls what the score was because I lost. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that is not funny. That is, that is no, that's not a funny thing to hate a joke about after a game when you're the keeper. <laughs> I didn't get the bite in it at the time. Oh, well, I suppose. No, you phoned me after the game uh, and you said that one of the goals that flew past you, you actually applauded. I did. Yeah. I did. I didn't know what, just before we came on this call, I said, I'm waiting to watch the highlight. So I watched it and I was like, still think that's a brilliant strike from that girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, was well, it, I mean, obviously you're, you're doing a, a favour there, but I'm imagining when you've no been in amongst, you know, you've no been, you've been taking training and coaching, you're no training as such. It must have been quite mm-hmm. tough 90 minutes as well, was it? No, what? when I went into the changing room with the girls, they kind of just made it like I was never away which was a good thing. The warm-up, again, was kind of like, I was used to doing warm-ups for people, so um, I ended up, one of the girls that was warming up was, I said, I'll fire a few balls at you. I'll do stuff like this. And I was coaching her. And then I had to stop and think, you're playing the day. Stop Mm -hmm. this. So then I put my playing head back on. And to be fair, the goals I thought were quite good the defence and the way that we conceded them was probably not the best. And that's something that Graham and uh, Drew and that will analyse with their camera footage and stuff like that to build on the next few weeks. But I don't think I could, that had a bad game. 
it just looks bad. Like I says to you, it looks bad if you just look at a result. I mean, it sounds, again, about you, Rondo, it sounds like an excuse was gotten in real early there. <laughs> a good 20 minutes ago, the excuse was in. The fix was in. Uh, the same when she never, <sighs> never touched the striker that day. Never touched the striker, no. Last um, not played football since. But, but, <laughs> see, when you look at, like, when you were playing through your time at Forfar and you then signed for United and whatever, but just kind of the, can you kind of sum up the, the real differences in the women's game that you've seen as a sort of, even for a player point, player's point of view, but obviously now that you've took a wee step back? The club commitment from the majority of senior clubs that have invested into the women's game has been massive. And it's not just the players getting some full-time contracts or part-time contracts, it's the coaching staff also getting that learning and development and getting, they could focus on it as a job instead of, right, I've got a full-time job and then I then go back to, right, I need to go and analyse this, this and this. So the investment from the senior clubs have been very good. The, the standard of players as well has went up a huge mm -hmm. amount. Like, Kim Little, and I, I'm sh sure, surely you will both know Kim Little, the famous Scotland internationalist. Yep. Arsenal, down. yep. Arsenal America, she mm -hmm. started a career at Hibs. Yeah. What's funny is when she, before she signed for Hibs, she nearly signed for Forfar, mm -hmm. which is quite a scary thing when you think of where she's got to. A little girl from Buchan up mm -hmm. north has managed to spread her wings she, that far. She couldn't score any goals in training, no, against the keeper, eh? So she thought, I bet, <laughs> no point signing for Forfar. <laughs> ah, she was a good player. Is yeah. she still playing? Yeah. She's still she's playing. Up, she's, she's not playing international football. Yeah, right. That's. Mm -hmm. Even yeah, that as well. She, she, she I, think you, I think you mentioned Fiona as well that some of the the best Scottish players, like they're actually not even playing up here now. Like you said, there's mm -hmm. a lot of them. You know, you're looking down that list. I think you've you know you've got <laughs> Arsenal, Real Chelsea, Real Madrid, America. They're playing in America, so it shows that if you can just if you can get to that level, you know mm -hmm. you're not playing it. I don't know. So oh. Not against them, but you're not playing Spartans away on a Sunday. Like you could be playing no. on real, they're a real big stage yeah. given what the money is at down south. And I'm talking for a TV point of view, let alone the wages. But it's amazing mm -hmm. that that's mm -hmm. there. Because I mean, am I, would I be right in saying that 10 years ago that wasn't there? See, the thing is, right, the English leagues tried to go professional before and then it kind of collapsed. And then America tried to go professional. Then it kind of collapsed. Then England started again, and now America started again. But I feel like the men's clubs down south are way more invested in the women's teams than they are up, up here. In my opinion, like I understand, like Celtic and Rangers, I found out the figures that they were banding about that they've invested into women's football. And I'm not saying that United's done a bad job, but I 100% could say that United, Dungeon United definitely need to do more investing mm -hmm. in the women's football and even the youth academy with the community trust investment is really needed there in my opinion it'll come down like you're saying there's loads of money uh and from the teams down south that's because they've got loads of money or, or at least they should have loads of money it's in theory it should be easier for a man united to support its women's team than it is for a dundee united especially just now at present uh, to support its women's team and, and that's not to take anything away from the women's side it's just that like the owner will be looking and thinking right I've got to get this team 
of mine, this men's team, out of this league and into the top flight, every penny that I can spare is probably going to go to that. Okay, I accept that argument. But for me, knowing (laughs) that Montrose has invested more in Mm -hmm. their playing staff this year than what Dundee United have. So what what league are the men's team in Montrose? Yeah, no, it's... It's a fair point. It's a fair point. I was just trying to play devil's advocate and that's me back on the next step. I can't believe it. Once again. Listen, you you absolutely tried. But, I mean, we've seen it as well. I mean, over the years of of kind of doing the podcast, you know, when the women's team came about and then it got, you know, wait a minute, they're going into a league and then they strolled the league, you know, went up, got promoted. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, Fiona, you know, you, you held your own. And obviously it's going through a bit of transition now. A lot of players leave. It's kind of will happen in football, you know, and the aim will be uh-huh. to to stay in the league sort of now. You've mentioned it a little bit, but you're you're done. You've played 90 minutes, that's you, and your focus is just on sort of coaching. Well, being being the coach that you didn't have at 13 years old, you're doing that for the new breed of goalkeepers, boys and girls. Yeah. And it was funny because I started coaching because I didn't have a goalie coach. So mm-hmm. now I'm coaching like girls that are eight, nine, ten, boys. It, it, the main f- focus at the start was girls because I kind of wanted to give back to girls football. But then I kind of thought, let's open it up to the boys too. So I'm coaching with two clubs um, in the area and the kids love it. I love it. I'm still giving back to football. I'm still involved. If anybody wants a cheeky game of fives, I'll definitely play that because I'm up for a laugh at football. I'm <laughs> taking used to it with you, though, because you've got bum knees and bum backs. Nah, but we would still <laughs> still run rings on you. Come on that way. Behave yourself. No, you would be on the... <laughs> you, you should be in the goal then. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to any pitch we chop or McNichol playing. This is not a video. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's... Like you say, it's a real interesting story, you know, when... You getting those goal? I mean, I remember back in the day when I was playing at like under nines, tens, twelve. There wasn't that goalie coach. Wasn't there such thing? You just no ran around the park, and then you went in the goal, and they just chucked the bat. Yeah, that that's kind of what. There's nothing like that. Yeah. So, and even and even a warm up rondo, even even a warm up. If you think back to like our time playing football, it was a case of the goalie just went in the goal and I'd be ping shots at him, and that was it. And he did go and get the bat because obviously he wasn't saving mine, so he did go and get it. But uh, it's, it's changed days. And, and and you know what? And speaking of changed days, I hate to say, or I hate to ask you, Fiona, is there any jealousy or frustration from you at the path that you had to take as a 13-year-old girl getting into football compared to the many paths that appear to be available these days? Or is it something that you're proud to have seen or to have played a part in paving that path for the, the generation that's, that's now living and breathing it? For me... Uh... I love the path that I had to take to get to where I was in football. If I never went to Livingston, I would never got to play for Scotland. I would have never got to go to America, like Denmark, Finland, all these places around the world. I would never have got to go to these places. And even being like one of the home games that we played against Finland, I got to like lead out the team as a captain that night. Like things like that. I would never have changed. And me playing with Forfa and playing with United, like, I'm glad that I had to do it the hard way. Like, if I was younger now, would I would I have been picked to play for Scotland? I don't know if I had the ability and whatever like that. But see then, the coaches that I was involved with, like, 
one of my goalie coaches when I was away with Scotland, because you always got a goalie coach there, was like Jim Gallagher and John Ritchie, like ex-men's footballers. And Wayne Henderson, who was the Wraith Rovers coach and was involved in the academy as well. But then there was also guys that just done it because their pal was the coach of the like the team. And they gave mm-hmm. up time just to come and coach us and have a laugh. And like Kev Candy, me and Kev still speak. And I have such a good relationship with him just because he was my goalie coach at little old Forfa. He'd mm-hmm. never played football in his life, but he just wanted to give something back, which was great. So being involved with the teams that I've been involved with and the journey that I had to go through, I wouldn't change it whatsoever. Definitely not change it. See, um, apart from the financial sort of side and what you've mentioned, you know, what the teams could do and stuff, is there anything you would change in the women's game? And it could be up here in Scotland or it could be in general. Is there anything you would change, a rule change, something about it? Is there anything just as players or ex-players now? For me, I think, and not in a bad way, if you were, if the men's team was in the Premier League, do you think, and here's a question, I'm going to put a question back to you too, do you think a lot of the youth players that have came to the academy would start in the Scottish Premier League? In the fullness of time? No. Or, or so at you- United? With your current team, so like your Declan Glass, your Archie Mikasens and stuff, do you think they would play in the top league week in, week out like they're doing just now? Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not. I think think it depends. Like there's a number of factors. Sometimes budget dictates that teams have got to play the youths and sometimes that pays off and sometimes it doesn't pay off. Uh, but I think I think just even looking at the overall figures, and no, not even just speaking about United, but Scottish youth teams in general, when you look at how many players play for like a Celtic youth team or a Motherwell youth team or an Aberdeen, it's probably a really small percentage that actually make it into the first team. Uh, so I don't know kind of I'm answering your question, but I think the I think the plan from clubs is to always get their players to be as good as they can and to ultimately get them into the first team but it's I think there's just a number of factors that uh, that dictates that I think the big thing for me is this season is probably the springboard that some of them need that when we get promoted this season next season they're in the team type thing I think there's a lot of that but this that again that's probably and again can can do what Paul's done and put a deflection on but if we were still in the top league and clung on, say we clung on the last day of the season and we stayed up, probably no, probably no. But again, in that in the fullness of time, I think we would have cut our cloth anyway, but given the way the club was being run and the money and whatever. So, but you might have not seen the numbers. Is probably what I'm saying. You might have seen one or two. I think we're having nine subs, and we always fill our bench. And me and Paul have spoken about the season. There's some clubs only put five or six on there. I think there would always be a, a a time for players to be on the bench, but whether they would yeah. see much action, probably no. I mean, even now you've got a couple of 16-year-olds that kind of fill the bench a little bit. They get token minutes here and there. But for players like a Declan Glass and Archie Mikasin, Kujo to a degree, they're young players that 
this being in the championship is probably or will help them in their development. And if we go up, then it's they they should be especially Denton Glass who started six seven in a row now. He has to get to an age when he a time this season when he's played twenty games and he's like I can't be dropped unless I'm totally shite. Then I can, but I am deserving of my mm-hmm. spot. But I, I, again, if we if we weren't relegated, then I'm not sure. I think you might see a couple of them in and around it, but you wouldn't have got the number. Know that we're sitting at now, no chance. It's, it's because it's because the stakes are so high. Yeah, Fiona, yeah, uh, it, stakes are high in the championship, it, right? but we've got to get promoted. True, true. But, so if you think of that in a women's game perspective, mm-hmm. you're expecting girls at the age of 16, 17, 18 to play up against full-time teams like Glasgow City. Yeah. So where you guys in the men's football can kind of protect them and nurture them and ease them into it, you can't, there is no easy. Yeah. We can't do that, yeah. if you know what I mean. It's yeah. a kind of, right, we're in this league, and you kind of seen last year with Glasgow women getting promoted. They did well in that league. They completely tanked that league. But mm-hmm. when it came to the step up, it was just way too high. Mm-hmm. And again, if you look at the, the girls in their team, a lot, there's not a lot of teams in the Scottish Women's League with older players. They've got a lot of use. Like Rangers' best player last year, she's away in uh, Man City now. Mm-hmm. Even Rangers couldn't, uh, not Man City, Man United, even Rangers couldn't keep hold of her. And she's only a young lassie. She's like, mm-hmm. she made her Scotland debut and everything. And even if you look at the, like the Scotland setup. If you were to look at the women's game and the average age of the, the players on the pitch then to the men's, like there's such a big difference. Mm-hmm. And they've probably still played 30 or 40 caps for Scotland, but they're only maybe 20, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You don't really get that in the men's game. So I kind of think the one thing I would like to maybe change this year, like if I was to change in the future is, more support and nurturing. I know that this year Scotland put an under 23 squad together because from 18s all the way, or 19, sorry, up to the A squad, that's a big jump. So they mm. had to put in a step. So I kind of think the way it's step, the league I feel are trying to enforce clubs to invest and give them like the breast training facilities like Foundation Park had to have a stand so that people are feeling that they're playing, they don't have to play at Tanadice and feel the atmosphere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the league's pushing clubs to invest, but it's up to the clubs now to say, I'm going to go with you or not. The perfect example is like Danny McGinley last season. United's best player by far. Well, she, second best I'm, player last season. Come on now. <laughs> she was running up player of the year <laughs> but she left to go to Hearts for mm-hmm. a better opportunity yeah. but she, she left for free mm. so even things like about transfer fees and stuff like that there's nothing in the sense of that mm-hmm. even having a two year contract or having this ability like when you, I signed for United there was only a year or a season on the table there wasn't mm-hmm. an option for two three years and that's just I kind of feel like your City, your um, Hearts, Hibs, Rangers, Celtic, they're all offering longer term deals because they're committing to the player. To me, I feel like that needs to happen with all teams. In the- Across the board. Mm-hmm. The one, um, <laughs> one, one, one view I was going to ask Fiona is, 
and it's a very it, it gets thrown up quite a lot. Um, where do you stand as a player that's been on the park when you hear things like, "Oh, the pitch should be smaller, goals should be smaller, and stuff like that." What for women's football? Yeah, for women's football, mm-hmm. yeah. No. Because there's, no, all, there's always that debate, you know what I mean? Um, is that should these things be in play? But just for, I just wanted to get your point of view as a as a player, you know what I mean? Playing in, because we see some. I mean, sometimes you see in some games, I think some of the goalies are quite small, and it's like, well, you go mm-hmm. high, you could get there. But like you say, I think sometimes when the ball's on the deck, you know, if you can keep a team from getting near your box, then you'll maybe no concede. Mm-hmm. But then, if you think of it in the men's game, and I learned this on the. Uh, UEFA B license course the men's game they kind of don't look at any goalies that are under 6 foot mm-hmm. they've got a profile of people it doesn't matter say he's under 6 foot and he doesn't go to catch a cross bell say you're 5 foot 10 and you're happy to come out the box and catch the cross or go for something make yourself big and have the spring in you people like I did notice that when I was doing my, a license, uh, my B license course that they had a profile that you have to have a certain height. And in women's football, there is not that because they just want you. They, I feel like they think we could coach you to be in the best player you want, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. No, that's a fair point. I think, I think Ronnie, like, I think it's a fair question. I have, have often, like just watching women's football, the, it seems to me the amount of goals that, and it might be simplistic to say, but they just seem to just loft it over the keeper because invariably like you're saying that the the men's uh, uh, the coaching they've got a profile I, I don't know many six foot women like I'm not saying there's no, no but I just I don't know many of them so mm-hmm. I could I could see why why people would ask that question whether it's whether it's silly or no I don't know but I, I could see why people would think that I mean my suggestion was for a Boonsy six year box I thought that would be a great <laughs> I idea. mean that's the mis- I mean I thought my suggestion that Matt the goal's a bit weird but he's wanting Bouncy six year boxes Bouncy six year boxes like what's going on I just there? think it would that would add hilarity as well unbelievable um, what's the best memory you would take away for your time playing the game Fiona um, I would probably say playing for my national club like playing for the national setup mm-hmm. was the best memories. I met loads of new people, still people I still speak to nowadays. Um, women's football, I feel, is more rugby-vibed in a way, where it's about families and you could sit, you could stand next to your away, the, the away team's fan and there wouldn't be any hostility or anything like that. Like, well, I don't care. Like there, there was a drum like at that. the Foundation Park the other week. Ah, when when the Rangers were in town, I did, we didn't like that, Fiona. I'm going to be honest. We should have had a fence yeah, up no. segregating one. Yeah, but look, they came and they came to support the women's team. Good on yeah. them. I would love if it was like United Aberdeen or United Hamilton. And how many, okay, how many season ticket holders do United have? Thousands. Five and a half thousand? Something like that. So every season ticket holder could get into Foundation Park to watch the women's team play. So that pitch could be sold out every week for nothing, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. And it's never. And I kind of feel like the supporters need to get into the women's team as well a bit more. No, but that but that would be that would be ideal. But uh, uh, they're definitely 
the, the signs are that it is improving because I can remember just a couple of seasons ago, I used to, when I was reporting on the games and I would say to Ronnie while I was standing in dog shite in the bushes at the side at Caird Park, like there was maybe only about 20 folk there. But these days, like you're, you're talking a couple of hundred most games. Uh, I suppose, I think when they got some games at Tanadice, I think the one, the first one that they kind of made a big push on trying to get numbers through the door was when they, I think it was maybe when they had wrapped up the league title before they went to the, before your time at United, certainly. Mm. Uh, but I think there was less than a thousand of that game, which on the face of it, some people might look and scoff and think it was less than a thousand, but that was brilliant numbers. It must crowd. have been about 700. 700, because you were you even got drafted in a work that I was game, there I the first game. The... Yeah, there have been two, hasn't there? Yeah. I was there the first yes, game. Yes, there has yeah. been two, yeah. So, like, I, I totally get what you're saying. It does, and, and that, I've said that to people as well when you speak about the women's game. It kind of attracts a different crowd from the man's game, even though it's mm. the same game. But there is a different feeling when you, when you go to watch them. But I think I think to touch on the crowd numbers, I think that it is getting better. It's getting better all the time. Paul's just ordered mm. a drum, so I can't wait. So I could put my foot through it. <laughs> right, Paul, ask that final question. The it's important question, question of our fan guests. Well, we, we ask everybody, every fan guest, uh, but we, we almost forgot to ask Fiona because it was her that prompted us on this in Rondo. So we like to get your your favourite 10-6's United side. So give me six players, there's got to be a goalie, and then the rest of the formation's up to you. And if you want to throw in a subby or two, be your guest. Okay. The goalie was a hard one. It was either Paul Gallagher or Dusan Pernas. So I'm going to go with, hey, go with Paul Gallagher for that one. And that's because uh, Jim Gallagher, his old man, used to coach you. Uh, basically. There's, there's favouritism going on here. Unbelievable, on. right? Gallagher Unbelievable, is Rondo. in. Who else you add in? Jimmy Patterson, of course. Favourite oh, player. Jimmy Patterson. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I'll put your formation together, so... Uh, well, I'll work out where he's playing. Right, who else is in? Christian Calvinez. Oh, Christian. Oh, Ball. Str- strong left-hand side to the Sixers side team. Indeed. Right, who else is joining Gallagher, Patterson and Calvinus? The engine, Mr. Stuart Armstrong. Oh, Stuart Armstrong. Best hair in football. Oh, gorgeous hair. Stretches mm-hmm. in. Okay, right. I mean, I'm, not, I'm I'm just going to say you're a wee bit light on the right-hand side at the minute. I'm just leaving that out there. Still a couple of players running. Go on, Ned. <laughs> um, David Goodwillie. Yes. Okay. You've, you've got a goal Goals. scorer. Goals. Goals. So the, who's the final starter in your Terence Sixes team? Christian Daly. Oh, well. Mr. Versatile. Wow. <laughs> There you go. Right. He, he does it. He's like, he's the Swiss Army knife of football players, is he? Yeah. I mean, if Paul Gallagher doesn't show up, Christian will just go in the goal. Oh. So it's no problem. Have you, a couple of, have you got a sub or two? One sub. Go on just then. in case Goody gets tired, put Johnny Russell in. So we're all left sided. <laughs> wow. That, that is a, that is, I mean, uh, it's a team. It's a team. And I tell you, it's a team. You've, have you worked out a formation, Rondo? 
I mean, we'll get there. I mean, I might need a... F- I mean, Daly could probably play wide right. We'll put stretch through. Ah, we'll be all right. I'll work some on it. I'll work some on it. Calvin S. Armstrong, Goodwillie, Daly, and Johnny Russell to come off the bench, Paul. I'm, I'm surprised Danny McGinley never made the bench at the very, very least, but there you go. So thank you very much to my wee sis, Fiona McNichol. Uh, I was flapping a wee bit. I thought for sure she was going to bury us. I, I kind of got off lightly. I think Rondo was a wee bit disappointed on the night as well that I didn't get buried for things that have no come to light yet. Maybe some McNichol secrets. Uh, and it was nice to sit down and actually hear some of her stories. I can't miss to them, obviously. Some of them maybe know so much. Uh, and I think the only person that's not going to be happy with this is my Uncle Billy because... <laughs> I mean, he was probably the best McNichol football player for a long, long time. Uh, but I think my, my wee sister Fiona just just pips him there. Absolutely. Mm. So um, Fiona's Tenant Sixes team will be posted up this week as well. And mm. after that, I was thinking about the team. So I've got a challenge for you for, for next week. Okay. Right? And I'm no dropping this on you now because mm. of, of what the challenge is. Right? I like this doing, am I? I think you might need to. So, and this comes on the back of the A to Z and stuff as well. Because Paul has seen some of the football in the 80s, right? That means you have been able to watch United in five decades, Paul, Mm -hmm. right? So for next week, I want for you a United 11 with two players from each of those decades. And you can have a bonus for the 11th for any of them. So we need two players for the 80s, the 90s, the 90s, the 10s, and the 20s. And it's got to form a team. It's got to form a, a, a team. 10 strikers and nope. Hamish. It's got to be a team. So okay. you're allowed two from each, and then you get a bonus one for any of them okay. as an extra. Just to have just thinking about that. Well, might have been in the shower thinking of you. Don't again. Uh... But. I just thought, let's just see what you could come up with that. So, uh, and that was the easiest way of doing it. I was thinking of 10 and 6, and I was like, that doesn't really work. So, mm. I'm looking for an 11. And that's how I've given you a week. And we'll start the show next week with that team. Okay. All right. Mm. And again, if you want to throw some names at them, you can st- send them a. Uh, you can send him a message on Twitter or whatever or uh, just reply to us and just see what kind of names get thrown out. So, two for the 80s, two for the 90s. Two for the noughties, the 10s and the 20s. <clears> and then you've got a bonus one for any of them. Okay. And it has to form a team. So you could be 4 4 2, yeah. 4 2 2 2, but you can't be a flat back 10 or a top 10, like. 4 2 that. 2 2 2. Whatever. 4 <laughs> 2 2. Yeah, that's an undefeated. 4 2 2 2. 4 2 2. You two. give me four twos there. You give me oh, too I? many. Oh, yeah. well. Anyway, on this day. In association with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006. 23rd October is a focus. Some games for you. We beat the Wee Team 4-0 in 1972 in the Forfarshire Cup Final. We're still waiting to find out if that's an actual trophy. It is an actual trophy. Uh, have you seen it? I probably have seen it <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Like, uh, genuinely, it used to be... I wasn't going to say it was a big deal. It was usually United v Dundee in the final. Uh, for memory mm. but uh, there was a wee trophy yeah. it was UEFA Cup second round first leg action at Tannadice in 1985 
as goals from Ian Redford and Richard Goff gave us a 2 0 win versus Vardar. Vardar, yeah. Vardar for Yugoslavia? Yeah, Vardar yeah. Skopje. There something. you go. Yeah. And in 1982, the team's preparations for this away encounter against bottom of the table Motherwell took a serious blow following an accidental collision in training on the Friday. Paul Sturrock ended up in hospital with an eye injury, which could rule him out for a few weeks. We left it late by a 25-yard screamer for Dave Neary and a tap-in for Billy Kirkwood on the 88 and 89th minutes were enough to get the points. No signings today, but a birthday mention for a 2015 Hall of Fame inductee due to his role in the club's first ever Scottish Cup win. He made 177 appearances for United, he scored 21 goals, he netted United a million pound fee in 1996. Happy 50th birthday today to a local lad done good, Christian Daly. Christian Daly, yep, he was, a, he was a very good player for us. He was a bairn when he first came into the side. I remember that. I think he was still at school when he started playing in the first team at United. I've, I, I never wrote this down, but I want to say... He was the youngest goal scorer mm, until Goodwill. Or appearance. He was something like that early, but I, I didn't know because usually it's short and sharp on, yeah. on this day. But nah, he was a good player. Uh, I mean, 94 was, uh, he was brilliant that day. Yep, yep, he was. Uh, he, he's a good Arab, albeit slightly tainted. <laughs> and if we ever get him on the podcast, then definitely be mentioning that, that taint. <laughs> but uh, yeah, happy birthday to him. 50, and he's, he's as fit as a fiddle as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. As United celebrate turning 100 years young on Friday, Arbroath will be doing anything they can to turn the buffet, eat the cake and snog your granny before the night is over. How do you think we'll get on? We're at Dode Fox Podcast on social media. Check out the website, dodefoxpodcast.com. Have a great week, stay safe. And don't forget, as always, to wash your hands and your arsehole. <laughs>